Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silver and Gold. Coming to the ring from parts unknown, the combined weight of 853 pounds, pick a loaf and doctor's on. Welcome to Silver and Gold, Daddy. Hi, I'm the Loaf, and with me, Dr. Zahn. Yeah! Yeah, dig it. Uh, this week on this show, um, I think R.E. chose these for us. Uh, a couple yeah. Pacific Theatre uh, films. Uh, Merrill's Marauders, a Samuel Fuller film from 1962. And The Thin Red Line, Terrence Malick's film from 1998. We will get into those shortly. Zom, how are you, sir? I'm pretty good. I'm well rested. Um, had uh, some good sleep uh, today, uh, and I didn't wake up like two seconds ago, like I usually do for the show. Uh, it's fall is here. Fall uh, has fallen. Today is kind of a, I don't know. It's a good day to sleep day because it's been kind of drizzly rain and cold out, but I don't mind that. Doesn't bother me. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know if it's fallen here yet, because for the last two days, besides today, mm-hmm. it was about it, it was over eighty degrees outside and sunny. It makes no sense. It was eighty five two days ago. I was wearing shorts and a t shirt and flip flops outside in October. Well, you know why it's probably hotter down there is because all these states are making it legal for gays to get married, and uh, hell, hell, is, hell is getting closer. Yeah, it's the end of the yeah. world as we know it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I like it. Mm-hmm. I'm drinking my weekly beverage. What are you drinking? Old brown dog ale again. I, like I said, I, 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 it well, is definitely my weekly beverage. I have not been drinking much beer as of late, so it's about one a week when I do the podcast. Well, right. So, well, You know, that, that's good. Because if you keep it like that, then it will keep you from becoming... A uh, a uh, degenerate alcoholic like most podcasters. Yay! What? Uh, how was your week? Well, okay. It was all right, except for a few. Uh, as my sister has told me, why do you expect like <laughs> uh, anything to be different when uh, right. it comes to dealing with uh, a certain parent? Not my mom. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I'll just share this. I, I'm not gonna, you know, get like too in depth or whatever, you know, but, um, as you know, from last week's shoe, I purchased a new vehicle yeah. and, uh, I like it. I'm, you know, I thought, okay, I'm gonna get something nice this time and, uh, something's kind of cool. And, um, uh, so 
Uh, already, my stomach's so upset, I'm starting to uh, spew. Um, I just thought one day, you know, I was like, you oh, know, maybe I'll just run out and see mom and dad and show them my new car. Well, it's like 100 miles away, so um, I had only had the car for maybe like two days, and I thought, well, you know, I'll get to drive it. It's got serious. Uh, XM radio, so I'll get to listen to like Howard Stern or whatever NHL channel, uh, Hockey Network, or mm-hmm. you know anything. There's all kinds of stuff on there. I st- I'm still exploring all the all the channels and everything on there. So I drive all the way out there, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, this is going to be, you know, this would be fun, you know, sharing with your with your folks. <laughs> and uh, my dad, if it, it, when I came to the door and I said uh, I knocked on the door. And he finally got up. I could see him in there, and he just sat there even when I was knocking. And then when he got up, he opened the door, and I said, hey, you know, I just thought I'd come out and show you my new car. And he looked for like two seconds and then turned around like he was just going back in. And I stood there for a second, and I'm like, what the fuck, you know? And it was nice out, and he had he already had his shoes on and everything. And so then I was like, oh, well. What you know? I don't. So I went in and sat there, and he didn't have too much to say. And uh, so you know, my mom's like, she finally came upstairs, and she goes, um, "Do you want to go get something to eat?" And I was like, "Yeah, okay." You know, or she said, "Have you ate yet?" And I said, "No," but I had because I was like, "Well, I'm not just gonna fucking sit here like this." And uh, <laughs> she goes, she asked him, she goes, "Do you want to go too?" And he was like, "Nah, you." You go ahead and go. So I was like, that's fucking fine with me. So we went and we had a good time and we bitched about him being a, uh, I don't know what, I, I don't understand someone like that. It just, and the longer, now see, she lives there every yeah. day of the week. So she's used to it. And I lately have been like, you know, I'll go out like maybe a couple times, two or three times a year now because of, <laughs> because, because of this. Right, and right. so when you're not around toxic people like that that are just, you know, I, I say like suck the joy out of life, out of the room, out of life, that it really bothers you even more. So anyway, uh, we went and we got some really good Mexican food and then we went to Walmart and bought some uh, stuff, bought some DVDs too at Big Lots. My mom's mm-hmm. fun. My mom's a fun person. She's she's fun to hang out with. Uh, and – um I'm trying to think, and saw a girl with a pair of yoga pants on that made me forget to buy toilet paper. Uh, the, the toilet paper has nothing to do with it. That's just where we were. But I was like, you got oh, distracted. Fuck, distracted wasn't the word for it. It's my it's my mom standing there, and I wanted to just grab her by her lapels and go, Jesus Christ, look at that, you know. But I did. It was something like that, though. So anyway, but that's about it. It was a. Uh, let's just say that I guess I'm not a parent. So I don't understand. I don't know what it's like, and uh, I would. I'm a parent to my animals, and I am very affectionate to them. And you know, if they bought, if they had a new bone, when they kill a mole or a bird and bring it up on the porch, I'm I, I'm not really happy about it. But uh, I, you know, I don't know. You just you don't ignore it. You just don't sit there and wait for them to leave. Oh God, it was so weird. Because the thing is this too. Any other time I've bought a car, like it could be like a, you know, uh, a cheaper car, you know, a, a car right. like a, 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 whatever. A cheap Liberty. 
Yeah, something, and you know, anything. And I take it out there, and he, either it was, it was him or my dad and my uncle, would come out. They would walk around the car. They would ask me so many questions about the car that I would be like, fuck, I don't know. I just bought it. I didn't build it. They'd ask me, like, the tire <laughs> pressure and what size tires and, you know, what kind of mileage it gets and all this and that and, and, and get open it up. Get inside of it, look at everything, open the glove compartment, get the fucking owner's manual out, and start looking through it. And I'm like, ugh. So I guess that's bad. I hated that too. But this was just like, you know. A complete lack of enthusiasm. Complete lack of anything. Like even just, I don't know what. So, but then, you know what? It's It made for a good story. Because like all my friends at work, when I came back and told him that story, we're all laughing about how he is because I do his impression all the time and tell him how he is. So whatever. I mean, everybody's different. You know, maybe that's just the way people are. Some people are and some people aren't human. <laughs> I. Um, how I was your cam- week? <laughs> I bought a camera this week. Yeah. What'd you get? A, a Nikon D3200 digital camera. Um, got it came with a couple lenses. Um, so I'm trying to get back into the creative swing. It's been a really long time since I painted or anything. So I figure this will be a good step and yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, have you ever thought about like doing the Betty page or Russ Meyer thing where you put like an ad in the paper for like to, to, to like photograph women? Uh, I've, I've thought about, I've actually, one thing about the way I photograph, I've I've always been really, I'm not very good at photographing people for whatever reason. That's when Um, you have to practice. It's a certain, yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I'll put the ad in the paper. I'll see what it is. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but would you like to come sit naked on my couch while I practice? Well, I mean, you know, it could be very artistic or you could do apartment style ladies wrestling, like exquisite, um, Whatever that book's called. Just guys with red faces getting squozen. Squozen? Yeah. Getting their heads squeezed by big thighs. Squozen. I, I, (laughs) you know, I don't know. I I always hated, like, in school when you would get, like, start wrestling with your friends or even, like, in the wrestling room at school. And, you know, you're in there and somebody gets you and just fucking, like you said, just kind of squeezes your head it makes you feel kind of claustrophobic yeah, yeah. it just sucks it's miserable that's one yep. of the ufc and that stuff it's miserable and they make you feel miserable <laughs> but then when you see these guys that that um pay these female bodybuilders to mm-hmm. meet them in a hotel room and put them in a head scissors with their legs and squeeze their head and their heads like turning purple and they like that <laughs> See, I think that's fun. I I like looking at that because I think it's fucking hilarious. But I I still wouldn't want some, even if it was the hottest woman in the world. If it was Scarlett Johansson and I put my head between her legs and she started squeezing it to where like it it hurt or it was uncomfortable, I wouldn't like that. Nope. Yeah. You know? So anyway, you need some freedom yeah. to 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 roam about roam a boot. Yeah. You, you, you gotta. Oh my god. Uh, well, we'll talk about that when I talk about my movies because I saw her in a movie and she was hot. Let's do it. Let's talk about. Well, the movie okay. Let me see. Okay. I didn't watch a lot, but what oh, I, I watched. I can watch too much again. You did because I watched what you were watching. And Ugh. everybody, bur- and I will say this: out. I do have 
about five or six horror movies on my iPad that I will be watching this week. And they're, cl- they're like classic horror movies mm-hmm. with Vincent Price and stuff. I like that kind of stuff. Uh, and I have been uh, picking out and looking at some that are on Netflix that are new. And I'm like, well, why not? It's you know October, so I might, I might, I, I'm not going to do like 31 days of horror because, of course, it's already the 12th. But uh, <laughs> you know, for me to watch a few, some, we'll, we'll see, and we'll see, you so, know, how I like. So does it. 31 days of horror mean to watch at least one every day, or does it just mean you're I watching all month? Watching 31 every day. <laughs> Same like only that. only Heaven's Trash watches 31 a day. Oh my God, who's Heaven's Trash? You'll have to tell me later. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember people's names anymore. You know, so okay. Well, this is a William Wellman movie. Uh, we, you talked about William Wellman. Uh, was it Wings? Yes. Okay. Well, I watched a movie, and this is on uh, Comcast in demand. If somebody wants to watch it, and it is in HD, which it really looks nice, is a uh, track of the cat from 1954, and it stars uh, Robert Mitchum. He's the main dude. Uh, this is on uh, the one one reason I had heard about this, and I knew about it was because uh, on the William Wellman documentary I talked about uh, when you were talking about Wings, uh, they mentioned this movie and how the the cinematography, how beautiful it was because it takes place like in the Old West, but it's not really an Old West movie. It's a a ranch and – it's just there's just snow everywhere. It takes place in the winter, snow coming down, snow, snow, snow. Robert Mitchum has this big wool red coat which stands out against the snow. Uh, this is the widescreen version, and it re- look, does look beautiful on uh, my big screen uh, in HD. Now I will say this: some of these movies, it it kind of reminds me of watching Merrill's Marauders, as and then uh, compared to a newer. Uh, war movie, World War II movie, with like this also, uh, you know, right, it's right. being done in 1954, you have to kind of um, get past some of the dated kind of stuff that they do or style or uh, the tone because before, before it's just spaghetti the time. westerns, before spaghetti westerns, right. kind of reset it right. all. Yeah. But it also does have some shit in it that's weird. Like Mitchum's a creep. He's kind of a – he's one of those guys that – you know, like John Wayne, uh, for the most part, he got into where he was playing a good guy, and he was a good guy all the time. Mitchum, like when he played Max Cady and when he played the preacher that had the love and hate on his knuckles, mm-hmm. and, you know, um, he's kind of a creep. He's kind of a weirdo, and he's kind of a weirdo <laughs> in this, like maybe kind of a perv and with with his uh, brother's uh, fiance. So it's worth a watch. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Um, I don't know if there was anybody else in it that I really recognized. A lot, a lot of the um, these movies. Oh, Alfalfa from uh, fucking uh, the Little Rascals is in it, and he's a grown man. Before, I guess it's before oh, he got weird. knifed to death by uh, some guy with a switchblade. Let's see. Next thing I watched. Oh my god. Okay, now this may have been the highlight uh, because. For the longest time, I've seen just about every Charles Bronson movie, and I never saw this one because everybody told me it was horrible before I got in the podcasting community, and everybody told me it was great. (laughs) (laughs) Kinjite, forbidden subjects. Kinjite. Yes, Kinjite. This is, um, or Kinjite, 1989, and it was directed by J. Lee Thompson. Now, Charles Bronson stars in this, and this is, um, 
he had the real cool look, and then he had kind of an in-between look before he got kind of really puffy-faced and yeah. he looked bad. This is kind of in-between. He's not quite full puffy-faced. He's older, though. The whole movie is – he's a cop, and uh, he's investigating uh, these – basically, I, I don't know if I would say pedophiles because they're not like molesting like babies or prepubescent kids, but underage girls and boys – are being uh, met at the bus stop or whatever, and then taken into prostitution. This movie, someone said on our group that this was the worst Charles Bronson movie they had ever seen. Now, (laughs) I will say this. When I was watching it, I could argue that this was maybe the best Charles Bronson movie I've ever seen. (laughs) If you... Or if you go into it – now, if I would have watched this when it first came out and I wanted to see cool, badass Charles Bronson, I probably would have been, what the fuck? Now, I was still what the fuck when I was watching this this time. <laughs> but I went into it hearing about like some stuff that was in it. Right. And so I knew it was a two or so bad that it's a good movie. And watching it that way, it is fu- – you're like, what the fuck were they thinking when they made this, who – did they actually – were they serious when they made this or was it a joke or what? And But it's brilliant, so give it a look. If you, you've seen it, right? I know. I haven't. I've, I think, Jesus Christ. I think the latest Bronson I've seen was The Last Death Wish. I'm not when sure. That, when was that one? The Last Death Wish. Now, I remember watching that when it came out, and I hated it. That one it was, was just, filmed in Toronto with the with the mannequins and shit, right? Yeah, it was just so over the top, and it was so so bad. But if I watch that now, I might think it's funny. But if I went into it, which I did, seeing it, I think at the theater. No, I don't even know if that was in the theater. It might have been on VHS. Uh, Maybe I need to watch this one then. You definitely need to watch this. <laughs> this is if there's anything that you watch coming up, like. After you do your horror thing, or if you need a break yeah. from your horror thing, fucking watch this. I, it is this week amazing. might be break from horror thing. I'm, I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little burned. Yeah. Um, this is this next movie is on Netflix Instant from 2012, and it, it, it's really I thought it was brand new, but I don't think it was ever in the theater. It might have been at some film festivals or something because it, the poster even says something about like it being an uh, an anarchist movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Uh, so anyway, it's called No God, No Master from 2012. And it stars David uh, Straytharn that was in uh, oh, uh, Mate Wan. And he's been in several things that we uh, – Eight Men Out. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's really good in this. Um, this takes place in 1919. And somebody is sending package bombs, mailing them to like uh, John – David Rockefeller, Carnegie, all these like rich one uh, percent uh, corporatist, whatever uh, you know, big money guys. And this is a true story. Um, you like I, I don't know how many people are familiar with like Sacco and Vanzetti, uh, that trial and everything. It has some stuff about that in it. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a big part of it. But um, he uh, Straythorn is a a um, U.S. Bureau of Investigation. So this was even before the FBI, and he is trying to find out who's doing this. 
uh, and they show it from different points of view, uh, from the the uh, uber rich guys, uh, from the immigrants, and and then he's kind of in the middle. I thought it was really good. It's interesting because I didn't know that much about it. I I uh, think I'd watched a documentary about Sacco and Vanzetti, and Woody Guthrie wrote a song about him. So, so if you get a chance, it's not a, it's not a barn burner, but I mean, it's uh, Kinjite's better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, for 1993, I watched Rennie Harlan's Cliffhanger with Sly Stallone. This nice. is on, uh, yeah, it's on uh, Comcast In Demand 2 in HD, I believe. Um, this one is, uh, when I saw it in the theater, I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was that great. The, what's his name? That the Oh, I can't remember what his name is. Uh, is it Rex Lynn? That's like, French. When he's like uh, makes him go do stuff, he's real mean to Stallone the whole movie. Uh, Michael Rooker's in it; um, he's really good. There's some there's there's like uh, I think one or two scenes in this where uh, it's obvious that it's a set. Uh, obviously, William Wellman did not direct this out in the snow, but <laughs> it's another one that it's fun to watch. You know, it's not great. Uh, it's not, yeah. uh, but it's it's just fun to watch, especially going back and you know with uh, all the the different people that are in it. Lithgow. He try, you know, this this is the he plays the Hans Gruber kind of character in this, and yeah, I don't know if he pulls. <laughs> um, I uh, won't talk too much about this one because we reviewed it. It's uh, Fong Juk or Exiled from 2006. Yeah. Still fun. It's so just such a. This reminds me of like a spaghetti western. Uh, it's like a ballet. Uh, uh, Boss Fi getting his balls, uh, his nutsack shot off, or or at least pierced, or whatever was still makes me cringe, and it's still hilarious watching the guy stitch up his nuts. Uh, <laughs> see. Uh, and there's there's still some stuff in there, like with the with the baby with the little jingly jangly thing on its foot, yeah. and and the mother when she loses her. Well, I don't want to say anyway, but. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Check it out, Exiled. Uh, watched uh, this movie was not one of my choices. It's called Neighbors from 2014, starring uh, Seth Rogen and um, Zac Efron and Rose Byrne. It was what I expected. I'm not going to say anything else about it. <laughs> it's just one of those ones like they move next door, they buy a house, the next door is a fraternity, and they complain about the noise. And then, of course, the fraternity. It's everything that you when you if you see the trailer, it's what it is. It's I don't think it's really that, you know, great or original, but I mean, you know, it's got some laughs in it, but you know, whatever. It's not my kind of movie. I'm not saying that to be like, I'm so smart or whatever, but it's just kind of, you know, mindless, uh, what do you call it? Um, what's Johnny Knoxville and that kind of stuff. Just base comedy. Yeah. Um, well, you know, juvenile, I don't know, maybe, uh, but that's good sometimes. I don't mind. I liked Animal House. I don't know if that was juvenile or not, but it was funny. Um, <laughs> Slightly. This was <laughs> this was uh, <laughs> uh, on Netflix Instant. I recommend this one. Um, I am not a big silent movie fan because I don't know. I just it's hard to sit there, you know, when there's nothing, no, no noise or whatever. Um, right. But anyway, it's called uh, uh, Stachka uh, from 1925 or Strike. Now, I must have watched some Kami Pinko movies because I watched that Anarchist movie and then I watched this. This was directed by Sergei M. Eisenstein, uh, who is a famous uh, Russian director. And I, you know, a lot of this, I don't know if this, this kind of this stuff was out before the fall of the Soviet Union. 
Well, I think it was because he's the one that did. Um, oh, um, Jesus! Uh, Battle. I think Battleship. Uh, what's it called? Battleship Potokin or whatever the hell it is, and uh, some of the more famous Russian silent movies. But um, this is good, and there's some imagery in this. Have you seen this? No, you said it's on Netflix. Yeah, there's some imagery in this, especially at the end, that uh, really, I was like, fucking, this is 1925, holy shit. And, uh, of course, well, I was going to say it was pre-code, but it was in fucking Russia, in communist Russia, so, you know, there was no code, except Stalin's code, uh, which is, uh, do what I say or I'll fucking kill you. Um, I, don't, he, well, I don't even think – was Stalin even around then? I don't know what it was then. 25, no. He, this was after the revolution So, because Stalin wasn't around. He it was, was definitely Soviet, Well, he right? was around during the revolution, but he didn't right, right, right. to power. Yeah. Um, but uh, Eisenstein did uh, Ivan the Terrible. Um, uh, just uh, like a bunch. I, uh, Alexander Nevsky is the one I was thinking of that somebody recommended for me, so I, I want to watch that. It's uh, he's, he's He knows he's good. Uh, anyway, I watched a movie called Kidnapped yesterday, and I I had heard about another movie, Cani Arrabbiati, and people talking about it, but I knew it by the name Rabbit Dogs. So when I was watching this, I was like, I didn't think that this was that. And then when they were in the car, I was like, I remember. This movie, Rabbit Dogs, was supposed to be everything's in the car, and it's really – they humiliate the fucking shit out of this woman and this guy and everything. And this is it. Yay. Uh, Mario Bava and uh, Lamberto Bava, who is uncredited in this. I don't know of Mario. He pushed him to the side. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whoever wrote this, which was Alessandro Paranzo, um, he has fucked up in the head maybe. I don't know. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's just got an imagination. But man, this was fucking brutal. It yeah. was just hard watching Eastman and and, and the, the the Switchblade guy be such fucking scumbags. And then when you're empathizing with the characters and you're putting yourself in the car, you're like, oh my god, I think I would have killed myself. Ooh, uh, Eastman. Uh, and then it surprised the fuck out of me. There's a there's something that happens in it that I was like, huh. And and and, <laughs> and I was like, "What did I just see?" Okay. Anyway, but it's good, and that is yeah. on Netflix Instant. Yes, it's really good. Widescreen too. Uh, I watched a movie called Movie Forty Three from two thousand thirteen, and the only reason I watched it was because it said um, that it was like a, a bunch of sketch sketch comedy things put together with a bunch of stars like Kentucky Fried Movie. Well, I think, uh, was it Jake and I watched Kentucky Fried Movie or you and I watched it? I can't remember. It wasn't me. We watched, no, it was Jake and El Goro. That was when Jake went to sleep and El Goro and snored on the couch and El Goro and I watched Kentucky Fried (laughs) Movie. Uh, This has some funny parts in it. It has a fucking cast like you wouldn't believe, like uh, Dennis Quaid, Greg Kinnear, uh, fucking uh, Seth MacFarlane, Hugh Jackman, Kate Winslet. It's got everybody that you can think of in it. And somebody was even saying on our group, they wondered how they got people to do, to do this because a lot of it's really not that good. Some of it's good. Some some of it's all right. Some of it's kind of pretty funny. And it's very like there's like some lots of poop. There not lots of poop, but there's a sketch that's like got a lot of poop. Um, so, but anyway, with people that you wouldn't expect, you know, poop, 
Star Lord. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, what's that documentary Bukowski born into this from 2003 again, which is still great. Uh, I have it on DVD, but it was one of those ones where last night I wanted to put something on just to kind of have on the TV. Um, and while I was getting ready for work, uh, yeah. it's just an interesting character. I like all the, I like the black and white stuff. I think it was a, uh, German, uh, you know, the funny thing about, um, uh, um, uh, some of the stuff like this is, uh, you didn't have – like with the Jack Kerouac or with this, uh, when they go back and, and have uh, footage where somebody uh, – like the the, the, the breeders. Um, I, I found a documentary about them, but it was like a Swedish documentary. A Swedish film crew comes over. The, the Seika documentary, Desperately Seeking Seika. It was some guy from Sweden or Switzerland or somewhere coming. And this that one uh, with Bukowski is a German one. And they come over, so they have this footage, and it's like, God, where where are the Americans? That he's here, you know? Why didn't they do something this good? Uh, this was really good. This is besides Kinjite, this is a huge recommend. It's uh, cold in July, two thousand fourteen. Uh, not because of the Kinjite kind of thing. This is just good. It wasn't okay. what I expected. Jim Mickle is the director. Stars uh, Michael C. Hall, aka Dexter, Sam Shepard, and Don Johnson. I don't even know if I saw a trailer for this. I just saw the movie poster. Didn't know what it was. Didn't know what to expect. When I first started watching it, I thought, okay, this is going to be this. And it wasn't, and it turned into something else, which was great. So nice. that's something that was – and this one is really good too. <laughs> this, is, this is totally different uh, from 2014, another new one called The Signal, uh, directed by William Eubank, uh, written by – Carlisle and William Eubank has the people in it. I really didn't know except for Larry Fishburne. This is, um, it, it was kind of reminded me of, um, like a district. Is it district 13 or district nine district nine 13 was the French parkour movie. Okay. I'm thinking of the, uh, apartheid alien. movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's district nine. Kind of like that. And, um, I don't know what else, but it's it's good. It's really good. Yeah, it's good. I really liked it, um, and I think that is it. I rambled on there a little bit because, we, but there was I had some there was some good stuff. I had week. I had a uh, I had an up and down week. Mm. Um, I continued with, and it, it's it was been one of those weeks where I just like just laid on the couch and felt shitty about myself, so I was just put on a movie <laughs> to kind of pass the time. Um, but I make it, I made it horror still. Um, I don't know what I'm up to, but I'm pretty sure it's close to 40 movies this month. Jesus. Um, cause I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I did about 20. Well, maybe not that. Maybe it's like 30 something. Either way, it's a lot. It's too many. Um, <laughs> I started with beyond the darkness. So I didn't watch any movies after the show last week because the file, um, shit the bed once again. So I spent another two and a half hours trying to fucking put out the show last week. I oh. think I got it figured out this week, this new software. <laughs> so we'll see how tonight goes. But anyway. Yeah, we, we might be doing all this for nothing right now. No, uh, yeah, the show gets it, – it's being recorded. It's just the, the, the post stuff is what's taking so long because I've been having to – I've been having to export it as two parts and paste it back together, and it's been really fucking annoying. But if a podcast anyway. gets recorded and nobody hears it, does it make a sound? And if it does, is the sound? <laughs> I don't know. That's the sound our show makes every week. So, clee, clee, clee. get your own answer there. Um, I watched Beyond the Darkness or Buio Omega, uh, a, a Joe D'Amato. 
horror film. Um, this is about a, a creepy rich guy who Don't try. I thought it was his sister, but I guess it's his fiance and uh, she dies and he's still obsessed with her and he goes and digs her up and preserves her body to lay in bed and the <laughs> housekeeper the she doesn't she never gets rotten like he does a good job embalming her and stuff um, now and, I know why uh, I don't like horror and he basically just tries to uh, kill young women after that trying to find her replacement and well, you know how they, they dissolve are. one chick in the bathtub and um, it was it was very sleazy because like like the one chick that uh, one the first chick that the, the chick that they dissolve in the bathtub had really big tits. So of course they huh? the camera just focuses on her tits jiggling as they're taking her clothes off to throw her in the bathtub. <laughs> yeah, it's that kind of movie. <sighs> but uh, I enjoyed it. <laughs> it was sleazy <laughs> enough. Well, there you go. <laughs> Um, Maybe you should stop watching uh, some horror movies this month. Yeah. Uh, I watched Plague of the Zombies, a horror, uh, a horror, a hammer uh, zombie movie. Um, this one's pretty good. The uh, the zombie makeup's really good. Um, uh, I don't even remember where I where I watched this. I don't know if it was on Amazon or what. But uh, Bren did a review of it way back when on Hamicus, so you can check that out. Um, it's not a. It wasn't a barn burner for me. Um, for that era of zombie film, certainly it's it's a. Um, this is pre, um, uh, Night of the Living Dead by a couple years. So, but not very gory or anything like that. But it's a pretty good movie. Um, let's see. Uh, I watched a silent movie, The Cabinet of Doctor Caligari. Yeah. Um, and. This kind of has a zombie in it, um, and a, a, a twist ending, and it's it's pretty remarkable how what the, the the look of this film, the set design is what stands out about it, and I'm pretty sure every, anybody that's seen it will know what I'm talking about. But I loved all the makeup and stuff, but the set design was just surreal, and it was like I think I think Tim Burton probably jerks off to thinking about this movie. So yeah, um, I watched I watched Mario Baba. Uh, Lisa and the Devil. Um, this is either on Amazon or Netflix. And this is... Well, Telly Savalas plays a... a I don't I, I guess he's a butler, but he's kind of Satan also. <laughs> no. Didn't but, we uh, watch something? Oh, it was the one with Oliver Reed. What was that one where he was the butler? And, oh, the Blue, blue Blood. Yeah, that was kind of he was kind of like yeah. a evil devil kind of guy. Yep, yep. And Telly Savalas is really good in this. He like sings and stuff and dresses corpses and um, it's co- it's it almost ends up being like, it's kind of like a haunted house story. It's it's it looks very nice. Uh, Bava doesn't always do it for me with his horror. Um, I seem to remember so, I mean, Telly not having a very good singing voice. I th- he might have been dubbed in dubbed, that. So. Yeah, because he tried. Um, he had an album, I think, and he tried to sing, and he was ooh. like like Joe Frazier singing. He was really horrible. But uh, this is worth this is worth watching. Certainly, there's some definitely there's some definitely uh, cool um, visuals and, and and moments in it. But overall, I mean, it was solid. But Bava doesn't really uh, grind my gears with it. most of his movies. They get a little slow for me. So um, I watched Stage Fright uh, or Deliria from 1987. Uh, this. 
has George. This is written by George Eastman. Oh, so, yeah, <laughs> um, it, this is a, a theater troupe putting on a some kind of play with the, where the main villain wears an, a giant owl mask. You probably saw the picture I posted. Yes, yes, I did. Um, and um, I feel like I've watched a lot of. Uh, what is his name? Giovanni Radici. I've seen him a lot in films recently. He's in this too. But anyway, the um, the the owl mask guy was basically some somebody poses as owl mask and starts murdering everybody in this play production. They're just there for rehearsal. It's not during a show. Um, it gets it starts off a little slow, oh. but it gets very gory and it's a good slasher, a good eighties Italian horror movie. Uh, let's see. I watched El Diabolico. Uh, this is a Mexican horror western, um, and you can pretty much toss a coin with Mexican horror films, and if it lands on heads, it's going to be a film about somebody being possessed by Satan, and that's exactly what this is, <laughs> and then everything else fits in the other 50%. Um this wasn't very good. It had some cool moments in it. Uh, the whenever the guys that are possessed, like I guess you could say, channel the power of Satan, mm -hmm. they have a really cool effect where their eyes are glowing. Yeah. Um, but I used to have that when I was. But never mind. <laughs> so when you would smash pies on butts. Um, it kind of. Yeah. It, it was it was pretty boring though. You know when they were when they're possessed by Satan, it just makes them basically. Very rapey, and they like to. They they're very good at shooting. Like he can yeah, shoot bottles it. hanging on strings. So that's about it. Um, <laughs> I watched uh, a Dario Argento movie, Opera from 1987. How was that? Um, I because I, I the, the the Argento thing is I I've only seen like maybe one or two, but you have Sammy who hates it and Will who loves it. He love he Sammy hates opera, or hates Argento. I thought. No, I don't think. I think Sammy's kind of neutral on Argento. Okay. He think. I think Sammy's like. I think his his cutoff date for Argento happens a lot sooner than yeah. Will's does. Because I know a lot of um, people say the newer stuff's really shit. So. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I haven't seen the Dracula 3D movie. I heard it's a kind of a train wreck. Yeah. I mean, I even liked his Mother of Tears movie that was in the 90s, where he creepily shows his daughter showering more than once. I think. Yeah. Um, but this is good. Um, it's also, I mean, as you expect, gory. It has this one of the most incredible uh, practical effect moments through a, a peephole in a door. It's really, uh, it's it was awesome. Um, he still had it while he in this. I don't know how much after this he maybe lost his way. Um, I still need to see Phenomena, which is like what became between this and uh, Tenebrae, which I really enjoy also. So that one has, um, what is her name? Jennifer, she has big eyebrows. Conley. Jennifer Conley, yeah. Oh, and he did Demons. Oh, he just wrote Demons too. I'm looking at, okay. So we got Tenebrae, Phenomena, and Opera. So I need to see Phenomena still, so maybe I'll put that in this week. Um, Do it. I haven't seen much after that outside of uh, Mother of Tears, which I thought was all right. So I didn't see Giallo or Dracula 3D or the uh, he's been he's announced a new Sandman a movie called The Sandman starring Iggy Pop. So we'll see how that goes. Oh God, that'd be yeah, that right there. That's a must watch. <laughs> but the opera opera had some uh, pretty fantastic um, set pieces in it. Some good uh, like. 
he would basically he was the the killer was stalking this one girl and would make her watch everybody he was murdering by taping needles under her eyelids oh. so she couldn't close her eyes Ugh. um it's there's there it's good it's 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 good so um and some good like like uh hair metal type music interspersed <laughs> with the opera music so uh let's see i watched the visitor 1979 so uh, by the every, by, the time everybody hears this, it'll be too late to buy it. But Draft House Films had a, a a package this week where you could buy five movies, uh, digital movies of uh, that they've re redone uh, for ten bucks. It was The Visitor. It was Miss Forty Five, which I was really excited about because it's hard to get a decent print of that movie. I haven't seen that still. We should we should review. Well, you know what? I reviewed it on Gentleman's Guide, so maybe we should. Yeah. You should just watch it though. Um, it was, and it was three documentaries, um, uh, the dog, the dog day afternoon documentary, uh, a band called death and other one I'm forgetting that I never heard of. So, but the visitor, um, this is a really bizarre fucking movie. I'll read the synopsis. The soul of a young girl with telekinetic powers becomes the prize in a fight between the forces of God and the devil. (sighs) How this weird, like this is on this is on Prime Instant also by the way, um, Amazon Prime. the The cast of this it's got John Huston playing like this angel. Uh, Sam Peckinpah makes an appearance in there. <laughs> Shelley Winters, Jeez. Glenn Ford, Lance Henriksen. It's like <laughs> this movie's full of people, and you, when you watch it, you're like, this is like it's like a low budget Italian horror movie. It's really weird, and it's like. It's it's a really terrible movie, but it's like a terrible fun mess. It's 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 bizarre. It's a really weird movie. Um, lots of uh, lots of uh, really cheap looking bird special effects, and uh, it's just weird. It's worth seeing certainly um, if you like uh, as 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 the cinemascus cinemascus would call it a fun failure. So fun failure. Yeah, I watched Touch of Death, a Lucio Fulci movie. This is on YouTube. Uh, this is a late Fulci. Um, this is a, this is actually this is a comedy, a horror comedy, um, about a middle-aged guy who he's not the best-looking guy, but somehow always finds a way to attract. His his thing is to attract and 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 woo these rich widows, and basically he murders them in some way and has them before not before they sign over their money, and he loses it in gambling. Uh, um, it's got some cool stuff in it. Some of the deaths are kind of funny, but every woman he ends up with is really like annoying in some way. Like the first woman has this giant mole on her face, and then the second woman has a uh, facial hair, like a mustache and sideburns. <laughs> and the, this other one, even like she's always singing opera really loud, even when she's kind of falling asleep. <laughs> um, the it, it kind of it kind of uh, loses steam by the end, but I was surprised that I actually enjoyed it because I've heard about how shitty his later movies are too. Um, but uh, it's on YouTube. You could do worse, Fulci certainly. So uh, I, this one, you're not going to do much worse. That this might be this might be the worst movie I've watched all year. Uh, Snuff from 1976. Um, I forgot who posted this on the YouTube thread. This is like I said, this is on YouTube. Oh. This is about a cult leader, uh, and it has bikers, 
And there's a parallel story with some actress. It takes place in like Chile or something or, or Argentina. I don't even know. It's like three really shitty movies kind of all tried to edit together into one. Um, it has three directors. <laughs> Two of them at least are uncredited. Uh, I don't know. This is a turd. It was really boring. Um, and the, the snuff part of it is uh that's that's i guess that's the payoff and it happens in about two minutes at the very end of the movie and it doesn't i didn't i by that point i had checked out i don't even know who it was they were killing or who even was doing the killing uh it was it was terrible Snuff. um i watched the frighteners uh on netflix this is peter jackson with michael j fox and other people uh jeffrey combs is really good in this um i'd never seen this one so the some of the CGI stuff was a little dodgy, but um, it's a fun movie. It's, it's funny. Uh, it, it was a I don't know. It felt long. Would be my only complaint of it. And um, but a, a cool uh, a cool idea. I watched two movies actually this week with two comedy movies with a psychic medium. Um, this one and another one with Stephen Chow. Uh, but Frighteners is good. It's definitely worth seeing if you haven't seen that one. The other one, like I said, the Stephen Chow movie is called Out of the Dark. Um, Chow. The, the, he didn't direct this one. He just acted in it. This is the guy. This is um, uh, Shaolin soccer guy. Oh yeah. Uh, it's not a. This is not a kung fu movie. It's just a. It's just a kind of a ghost story. And he all the and several of the tenants that live in this apartment that is being haunted. He he basically he walks around. He's kind of the shysty um spiritual medium that comes to cleanse the buildings and stuff but the way he has it he's got this box and it's like mary poppins bag he's always pulling shit out of it that would never fit in it and um (laughs) he carries around this lily and has a conversation with it but he's training these people that live in this apartment to basically fight this poltergeist um the training sequences are really fucking funny i was surprised that i laughed as much at this movie because like he's trying to teach them how to have no fear so he lights dynamite and they play hot potato with dynamite. Jeez. It's it's really dumb. I mean, it's it's but it's fun. Um, I like this one a lot. It was a Shaw Brothers movie too, which is weird, which is another weird part of it. So, uh, I watched Halloween, the hot Rob Zombie movie. Um, Danny Trejo. This, this was okay. What was Danny Trejo in this one? Was Trejo was the, in it. He played the yeah. he played Bard. the um, the the janitor turned yeah yeah security guard. Uh, Malcolm McDowell plays the plays Doctor Loomis. Um, this is all right. Now, I feel like I feel like if they if the first part of this movie, I, I'm I'm okay with I'm okay honestly with them changing the story. I'm okay with them giving a background to Michael Myers. Um, I feel like the fir- like. The movie was split in two and didn't need to be. If they spent about twenty minutes less on the on the backstory, and just you know, if it was like an hour forty minute movie instead or an hour thirty minute instead of two hours, cut out some of the uh, kid stuff, it could have been a lot more effective, I think. But that said, it was pretty gruesome. Um, some uh, it was a good good modern slasher, certainly. I mean, I've, uh, I, I, I like I like Rob Zombie's. Uh, aesthetic so he does um, but I trash that. people really well 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and Scummy yeah, Will, what's his face? Uh, William Forsythe in this is the trashiest of all. <laughs> and it was weird seeing Ud- uh, Udo Kier was in it briefly. Clint Howard was in it briefly, and Richard Lynch was in it briefly. <laughs> so gotta love Udo Kier in the nostrum. Yeah. Um, last night I put one on while I was so I've been I've been uh, or uh, categorizing or uh, databasing my uh, Godzilla toys so I know what the hell I have. Um, but <laughs> while doing that, I put on Doc of the Dead. This is a this is pretty new actually. This is on Netflix already. It came out in June, and uh, uh, Bryn said he's putting on a screening of it with a Q and A Q&A with the director soon. But. Oh. Um, this is by the the guys that did the People versus George Lucas, and this is kind of um, I thought it was going to be a documentary just about zombie movies in general, but they really only about a third of it covers movies, and then they just kind of talk about how uh, the, the zombie culture, like how it's gotten so popular and everything. And they talked to the they talked to Simon Pegg, and they talked to the guy that does the Walking Dead comic, and it, it lost it for me a little at the end. Um, I didn't really care about seeing the stuff about people doing um, zombie walks and stuff. Um, But, you know, it's all right. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting if you like that sort of thing. There's another one on there, another one on instant about a documentary just about the night of the living dead, which looks interesting. And they focused a lot on George Romero in this, which I guess they should, but I was hoping they were going to, I hope it was, I was, it was going to be one of those like, um, uh, not quite Hollywood type things, you know, where yeah. they were just kind of highlighting. But this is more just about zombies in general, the history of it and all that stuff. There was some cool history of that kind of stuff, like where the term came from and voodoo. I don't and think like there really anything but Romero stuff is just shit, right? Um, well, well kind you know, of. Like it depends on the – it depends on the – on the era, yeah, like there's some the, some of the voodoo stuff early on is good. Um, the Italian stuff after Romero is very good. Well, not all of it, but there's some of that stuff's very good. And then there was like a lull. Um, I need to rewatch uh, Savini's remake of Night of the Living Dead. I've only seen that once, and I remember really liking it back in high school. Um, but I heard I, I I think people still talk about that one fondly. Um, Love but Savini. then. In the 2000s, good old Savini. Uh, in the 2000s, they really started making zombie movies like crazy, and yeah. a lot of them kind of stank. But there's some there's some good ones in there, and I watched a couple good ones this week. Um, what's what's before, a? I mean, you know, maybe the documentary explains it, but what's why did that just take off? They the way they talk about in the documentary is. Well, they were talking about how every time there's a boom of zombie movies, it's it's reflecting some sort of yeah. um, social something or other. And initially, they talk about zombie movies because they were trying to come up with something that wasn't a universal picture, uh, but you can still see like a mix of it. So they kind of mixed gothic horror with mm-hmm. Caribbean zombies. Oh. Um, then in the by by the fifties, it was like it was body snatchers type stuff. Uh, Romero kind of changed the, communism, the game. Communists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Romero kind of changed the game with um, uh, with the social commentary stuff. So, and then by the you know into the seventies, well, then they had the Romero being you know talking about people being their fear is consumerism and stuff like that. But then you got the Italian gore movement, and um, but then by say into the 2000s it had such a resurgence because of the uh, people being afraid of disease and like 911 putting that thoughts in their heads and Damn. stuff and it just kind of caught back picked that back up then but 
Uh, but one of the movies they did talk about in it was Inv- Invisible Invaders from 1959. This is on Netflix, and it is boring. Don't watch it. <laughs> uh, it's like Plan 9 from Outer Space. It's pretty much the exact same story, except it's not like bad enough to laugh at. It's just not very good. Um, these are invisible aliens that basically get into people's pores after they die, and an- the corpse becomes animated, and they're planning a- an invasion of Earth, and blah, blah, blah. Not very good. Um, I watched Sugar Hill, another zombie movie, 1974. I like this, one. this one's really good. Uh, I had a lot of fun with this one. Um, Mar- Marquis Bay is pretty hot in her white jumpsuit. And uh, George Jefferson's mom with frizzy hair is pretty funny. Uh, definitely worth seeing if you like. And the, the, the white people in this one are extra disgusting. So if you like that in your uh, black exploitation movies, you'll like to see their getting, getting their comeuppance. So. Um, and the two new zombie movies I watched that I enjoyed. So a couple weeks ago, I watched Outpost, uh, Black, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the second Outpost movie. So I watched the first Outpost movie from 2007. This is where, and I can see all the movies are actually tied together. So I'm, I kind of regret watching the second one first. Um, but they, um, uh, this one, they are discovering the bunker initially. Um, and there's kind of a, uh, it's a, uh, the, it's an unnamed business hiring him to go and he's hired this, um, mil, uh, militia group or whoever they are, like mercenary group and, um, trying to get, uh, basically a machine out of there. He's what he's been hired to do. And they, they go into a lot more in depth in the second one. I don't like the second one as much as this one, but the third one. I liked a lot. Um, it might oh, be my favorite one of the that's three. That's the one which, with the Russian Spetsnaz? Right, the rise of Spetsnaz. Ah, okay. It is, this one takes place during World War II. That so one I have not seen. And it's I've a prequel. It is a oh, prequel. Oh, oh. So this is in the same bunker. Every movie, every movie, All three movies take place in the same bunker. Um, but this one, it, it's two... It's basically a group of Russian uh, soldiers that get captured... And are discovering this stuff going on in this bunker, and it's pretty good. And they fill in some backstory and stuff about why these zombies are here in the first place, and it's pretty good. I liked it. I, I liked it quite a bit. And it was definitely the goriest of the three. And the main dude, let's see, Outpost Rise. Uh, the main guy. Let me see who it is. It's got to be Brian Brian Larkin. Hmm. He's Scottish, and you can kind of hear a Scottish accent come through a few times. Is he um, supposed to be Russian? He's supposed to be Russian. And nobody speaks their language in this. Everybody speaks English. But he's doing a Russian accent, um, which is not great. But he is like – he's a bear, man. He's fucking big, and you know they make him this like super soldier basically. And uh, I liked watching him in action. He was, it was, it, he was fun, and um, some of the zombie makeup is pretty good. Some of it not so great, but whatever. It's direct to video. But yeah. I, I enjoyed this one. It might be my favorite because it was the goriest, and uh, I liked the setting of it, which I'm a sucker for that World War II setting. So definitely worth checking out. And that's all I watched. It was too many. We've gone on long enough. <laughs> <laughs> let's take a break and come back and talk some. Let's do. How about Merrill's Marauders? We'll just go in uh, chronological order. Right. Well, let's we'll, do it. All right, we'll be right back. Yosh, yosh, 
If I had a podcast, I'd podcast in the morning. I'd podcast in the evening. All over the swamp. I'd talk about Hamlin. I'd talk about Amicus. I'd talk about every kind of swamp in between. Especially about Neil Cottery. Amicus.com Brigadier General Frank D. Merrill leads the 3,000 American volunteers of his 5,307th composite unit provisional, a.k.a. Merrill's Marauders, behind Japanese lines across Burma into... Machina. Yes, I think I got it. Pushing uh, beyond their limits and fighting pitched battles at every strong point. Every single one of them. Every one. Zom. Yes. What'd you think of old Samuel Fuller's Merrill's Marauders? Well, I had never. I don't think I have ever seen this one. Um, I was a big uh, army, you know, military army movie guy when I was a kid. I liked yeah. watching World War II movies with uh, John Wayne and Flying Leathernecks and, uh, you know, all the way up to, well, you know, the newer ones with Bridge Too Far and stuff like that. Um, but for some reason, this eluded me. Um, now, I will say this. I watched it today, so I'm relatively mm-hmm, mm-hmm. fresh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I have some opinions about this movie. Uh-oh. Yes, I do. <laughs> First of all, I had all this material for the show about Jeff Chandler wearing a dress because he was married. He's the star. He plays uh, Merrill. He plays Brigadier General Frank D. Merrill. <laughs> um, and big, I saw his his nickname was Big Gray. Yeah, Big Gray because Big Gray was – first of all, he had gray hair. Uh, he like got gray hair when he was 18 or something, and he was like six foot four. The big tall guy. He was married to Esther Williams, who was a, I think, a, an Olympia, a, an Olympic swimmer, mm-hmm. and she went on to make movies. And she did all these movies where they would do like water uh, ballet in the movie. And she was pretty, in my opinion, she's pretty fucking hot. I'd have fucked her <laughs> if I lived back then. I guarantee you, probably Burt Lancaster, somebody, you know, they, they they probably got her. But she was she's nice figure, you know, athletic, but you know, good looking. And they were married, and she put a book out um, when she was older, and Jeff Chandler was dead because he died relatively young. I think he he uh, they he had only forty two. Yeah, he had an operation because he looked he looked older. So you, I, for some reason, I thought he was older, but he had an operation and he died during the operation, and there was this big malpractice suit and everything. But he a, he, his operation was due to he got injured while not because of this movie, but I think he got injured while making this movie, doing something, yeah. this playing was baseball his last movie, or something. Yeah. And um, 
So anyway, Esther Williams wrote a, a like a bio book, and to sell books, you know, to get some buzz, she put in there that Jeff Chandler uh, was a transvestite, kind of like Ed Wood. He he would wear at home. He would wear women's clothing. But then I had all this planned. You know, wouldn't it have been great it, it, when I'm watching the whole movie if uh, Meryl was wearing like a, 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 a brassiere and, you know, a garter belt <laughs> underneath his uniform. I think that, but I will, I will be honest with you. I think that would have made it more colorful and more interesting. Yeah. But it's the times, you know, it's 1962. But then I read in the trivia that she even admitted that she just put that in there, uh, to, you know, like a, to a titillate so that people would buy her book. And it wasn't Ooh. even true. So I was like, man, that's bullshit. Because number one, She's still hot, and even though that's a bitchy asshole thing to do, still fire. Uh, when she was hot, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> so that's. Fine. But as William Defoe said, I mean, some person as William Defoe said would say in Animal Factory. But that's my hang up, you know. So anyway, um, <laughs> Jeff Chandler to me, okay. Um, if they would have had, but Augusta. If they would have had Kirk Douglas, if they would have had John Wayne, Robert Mitchum, Henry Fonda, you know, any number of people play the role of Merrill in this, uh, I just I, – I don't think that he has the charisma. Um, I felt like everybody – and I, I did zero research for this right. as usual. I felt like everybody <laughs> was like TV quality. Right, exactly. I thought the exact same thing. Now um, – it, it's like uh, Claude Akins. When I was watching this, I kept thinking, you know, Claude Akins wasn't a bad character actor, but he was kind of a poor man's like George Kennedy, where George Kennedy had the it or yeah. or the charisma. Claude Akins would get roles that George Kennedy either prob- probably turned down, and they weren't as good. Like he would be in like a instead of the Magnificent Seven, he would be in like the Return of the Seven or or Magnificent Seven Rides Again or some shit like that. That's just an example. I don't know if he was in it or not. But Jeff Chandler's kind of the same way. Jeff Chandler, I don't know if I would say he was a B movie actor because he was pretty big star in the fifties uh, and you know of course the early sixties and then he died. But he, I don't think that he was ever. Um, he was kind of like a Randolph Scott kind of guy, whereas you had um, some of these other big uh, movie stars that got the top mainstream movies, mm-hmm. um, studio movies and everything. They did more like the uh, Randolph Scott. They, uh, he was very famous and very popular. I'm not going to deny that. But like Jeff Chandler, he got kind of the – the little bit of lesser movies, uh, Randolph Scott got these uh, westerns that were churned out. You know, uh, they just churn them out uh, one after the other. But so I thought that he was kind of lacking charisma to to carry this movie. He should. He's still the focus and everything. But um, I thought it would be better if they would have had somebody. You know, a little bit, with a little bit more oomph. Um, Dennis Hopper said. When he was before Easy Rider hit and everything, when he was in the studio system, a young guy, that they always had him playing the weakling son of the bad man. 
and Richard Widmark, they'd say, well, if you couldn't get so-and-so, you got Richard Widmark because Richard Widmark really wasn't strong and powerful. He was kind of a weaker guy and, you know, and that's kind of how Jeff Chandler is. But let's, you know, as far as moving on, and he didn't wear a dress, and I swear to God, I thought (laughs) knowing that, if that would have been a fact and knowing that, or it would have been even better if we found out that Brigadier General Frank D. Merrill was a transvestite and wore a dress. But I lost all that material reading the trivia for this thing. So we'll forget about that. Ty Harden. Okay. Now, I will say this. As I said last week and maybe the week before and week before and week before. Uh, when you Now, I know Sam Fuller. Well, I haven't read that much about him. So maybe he – I don't know. Maybe – I don't know what his uh, – lifestyle was or anything but i but right. what i'm saying is this frank d merrill the general brigadier general frank d merrill in this movie um has a relationship with young good-looking handsome movie star good looks chiseled body second <laughs> lieutenant strapping lee, young lad yeah strapping young lads uh second lieutenant lee stockton now there are times in this movie they have a scene where Ty Harden, who is playing Lee Stockton, explains to somebody that I, the way they explain it is he's kind of, a, I guess, a, maybe from a broken home or he was an orphan or something. And he got hurt in a battle and um, they didn't think he was going to make it. And his commanding officer was supposed to write a letter home to his parents. And he was too embarrassed to say that he didn't have any parents or didn't have anybody. So he made up an address. And then he, before they sent it, because, and his commanding officer was Merrill. Before he sent it, he let him read the letter. And it was so heartfelt and and it struck him in such a way that he had to admit, you know, he didn't want this great letter to go to an address that didn't exist. So he, he told him. And Merrill, almost like a son, father-son thing, um, said he had it sent to his wife at his address, uh, and they built this bond. But the way – after watching a lot of the movies that we watch, whether it's 300, whether it's Top Gun, whether it's Animal Factory, uh, whatever. Roadhouse. A roadhouse. A roadhouse, definitely. Uh, and I'm watching this, and I'm seeing these things. <laughs> and Jeff, and and now while I'm watching this, I'm thinking, and that Jeff Chandler wears women's clothing, which she said he didn't. But I'm thinking that now, and I also have to preface this: I I realize that just because you're a transvestite doesn't mean that you're a homosexual. Right. I, uh, see, Ed Wood, um, Eddie Izzard. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, Adrian Street, um, <laughs> um, which you can get on his, uh, you can get on eBay at Rupert Bear at eBay or whatever. That's their their store, and they sell mm-hmm. these. They'll make tights and sell costumes and stuff. But anyway, let's get back to. Um, and you can you can buy any of his books. Any of his Amazon. any of his twelve books that are eight hundred pages long. Um, <laughs> there are there are scenes in this where. Stockton is doing something with the men and Merrill is like up in a hut with his pipe in his mm. mouth sucking on it and he's looking and watching Stockton. 
And then when they talk and Stockton turns to walk away, it's almost like there's this longing to say something and he doesn't say it. Or And I swear – now, maybe it's me. I don't know. Maybe – but I also do know from watching, you know, like I said, these Hollywood movies in uh, Hollywood Babylon and stuff like that where they talked about you know, how they would put gay or homosexual or lesbian undertones in movies just to – just because – just to fuck with the, the straights who yeah. wouldn't realize it. So I'm seeing this. I'm like – Dude, Merrill is kind of acting not like he's like a father figure. It's like a Ben Hur Masala thing, where he's kind of looking at Ty Harden like, like that, like like I would like when I was infatuated with a chick and she's leading me around by the nose, but I didn't know what you know, didn't want to blow it because I didn't want to say anything because I thought we were just friends. Right? <laughs> it's like that, and it's and, and there's there's I don't know. Did you? Get any of that? Because <laughs> I swear right. to God, I was watching. It, I was like, man, right there at the beginning, definitely. They they don't really. <laughs> they I tell you, they kind of lose their yeah. relationship by right. the end. Right. Not saying they have a falling out. It's just that the focus of it. They made such a point at the beginning to you know talk about this unusual relationship between these between a general and I don't know what his position is, but lieutenant. Um, but and but they but they kind of. They still – I don't know. It becomes they, they like the Merrill it. show by the end, well, and they, they don't really – go ahead. They, they lose it a, a lot because because Merrill is the commanding officer. Yeah. He has is this it, feeling for this guy, but he has his mission, and uh, Mary is making a nest and just going fucking berserk on my bed with the comforter and pillows. She is <laughs> – I don't know what – this is the funny – I wish I had my camera out. Um, but anyway – um, well, they, you know, it's when you say that, it, I, I wrote down this line, not bef- not because of this, but now it gives this line new meaning. When Merrill said, "Someday that boy's going to be a general if he can lick one problem." <laughs> yeah, and that problem <laughs> is in my past. Well, they never talk about what that problem is either. Is it he his, had to lick his, a like, problem? Is it his, it his his embarrassment of his past or something? No, it's embarrassment of of being. Uh, in the closet in 1942. 41, 42. Yeah. But Captain Merrill kind of dominates. Well, first of all, if did you see – you saw JFK with Oliver Stone? Yeah, a long time ago. Did Jeff Chandler not look like Tommy Lee Jones in that fucking movie when he played yeah. – uh, uh, what the fuck was his name? And I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> but he totally looks like. And uh, what was the movie? Jesus Christ! I watched a movie where the guys like uh, get the fuck out of you. Oh, uh, a cob with Tommy Lee Jones. Oh right. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Um, he goes, you Jeff Chandler looking motherfucker. So anyway, <laughs> that's another. One. This is great. I love Jeff this. Chandler's this very angular. Wait, like, we're not talking any hardly anything about the movie, but. <laughs> Well, he looks Jeff Chandler. He looks very distinguished. Right. He, right. you know, he's this handsome son of a bitch. He smokes a fucking pipe, which is always weird to me when, uh, when a when a guy on the battlefield in a movie smokes a pipe. Yeah. But but well, and then, because, and then the pipe thing is kind of uh, of that time. Like uh, you see, like Fred McMurray in uh, My Three Sons always smoked a pipe like that. Right, but not uh, while you're fucking getting right. shot at. <laughs> it takes no. a it takes a while to to pack a pipe and to. And to but, properly smoke it. Again, perhaps General Frank D. Merrill was packing that pipe with something that 
kind of maybe relaxed him a little bit, took away some of the anxiety of command. Maybe you know it was what I'm saying? Easier to, maybe it was easier to find that in Burma. He just like maybe be walking through the bushes and grab like some green stuff and think, I wonder what this is like. Is this this wonder... could be a nice blend? So anyway, <laughs> now Ty Harden. Not Lee Stockton, the character he plays, but Ty Harden, you'll love this, became – he. Though I remember him from PT-109 with Cliff Robertson. Cliff Robertson played John F. Kennedy in PT-109. Ty Harden was like his second in command in that, and he had this, this bleached like blonde hair and mm-hmm. a bleached blonde like goatee because they were in the Navy and they could wear like facial hair. But I thought – I remember watching that movie with my Uncle Stevie, who lived like two houses down from where I live now, when I was just a little kid because I was into World War II movies. And it's like a black and white little TV, and it was probably on – we had uh, an antenna. You know, he had to go out and turn the antenna. And watch this with my Uncle Stevie, who was in World War II. And I was like, man, PT-109. That's how I found out about JFK and everything. And I thought uh, – it was only maybe like a year or so ago. I thought, I wonder what happened to that guy – who was that guy that had the blonde hair and the blonde goatee that was had this you know always had his shirt off really built and everything and it was Ty Harden so I looked him up and I thought I wonder what happened to him well and this is the part you'll love he became a uh, like a militia separatist don't oh, want to pay taxes no. <laughs> living out in um, the not I don't know if it's Pacific Northwest but like maybe like. Uh, Wyoming or Montana or something where like a lot of them live. And I think he got in trouble with the IRS for not paying his taxes, but he was one of those that, you know, they lived in a, they actually had a community where uh, of people that didn't pay taxes wouldn't, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't buy like a license plates for his car or pay for taxes for his car. So that's kind of great. I like that. That's you know, funny. anyway, <laughs> in this movie. Now I got the exact same feeling that you got. I'm, and I'm glad you said that here earlier about how you felt like a, a, most, a lot of the actors were lesser actors or almost like TV, TV actors. style, yeah. It felt yeah. like a – I mean this almost could have been a TV movie. Right. The movie the, – the, the only thing that I think is when I was watching this is 1962. Um, i got to fix this squeaky chair. This is almost like a holdover of uh, – of the old school, really, really old school World War II movies, like yeah. that that were made or took place in the fifties, not too long after World War II, which were, uh, like this kind of this movie here. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the United States military wasn't involved in like. Uh, well, they were in part of it because it, it right. gave him a thanks for the special forces and yeah. helping with the battle scene. So that's what I'm saying. And, so they, it's almost the, like a recruiting poster kind of a thing, a rah rah. Right, uh, right. You know, it it has some stuff in it, like I mean, that that shows that war sucks. Uh, not like uh, you know, obviously, like today where they'll have somebody with CGI their legs and their heads blown off and their guts hanging out and and all this stuff. It you have people shot up and and how and it really shows the difficulty and how hard it is all the way around. Like even the command, like Merrill. He yeah. has to um, push his men, uh, you know, way beyond their what they think they can do and what they probably should do. And this is this is based on a true story. Yeah, and that's even something. This is one of those stories where you you um, not to give anything away because I don't want to give away uh, 
it is based on a true story, but I want to give away what happens in the in the end. But it's one of those ones where, when they're talking about it, and the the major the the gist of the story is the how tough and how hard it was, and the sacrifice yeah. to overcome to for the greater good. Um, now, there's some shit in this that I was. It's really cornbally. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that uh, especially Eleanor the mule. Now, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that they probably did use mules uh, yes. in this theater uh, to move to because they couldn't take trucks and stuff because of the the terrain. These guys are now. See, they said that they were all volunteers, but it seemed like they were saying that they they were in the military and then they were out, like they did their tour of of duty, like they were in it as long as they had to be and then they got out but it said they were on a two year two year leave or something and they signed back up just for this mission so they're all uh hardened uh jungle warfare guys is what they said now you have uh, of course like in a lot of these movies a colorful cast of characters now you know i don't i didn't look at any of the names or anything and i can't remember a lot of them but you know you'd expect it to hear like like one guy's name is chowhound because he's always he he eats all the time and he's always trying to steal M- Muley the mule owner Muley the mule owner that's a real good name Eleanor the mule which I thought was a funny name because Eleanor Roosevelt the first lady <laughs> the first. at the time was yeah. not an attractive woman she kind of had buck teeth and uh, she could have played Bucky in Captain America um, well and, and but they, you had like that 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 uh, that cast of uh, guys that that really didn't have a lot to do. Claude Akins was one of the the main ones. He was like a non commissioned officer that was always keeping him in line. Uh, and I like the little Filipino guy because he's like tuck your shirt in because that reminded me of my dad. My dad would shit himself if you had your shirt untucked. Probably still does. Like if I go to their house and I have my shirt untucked, he can't stand that. He thinks you look like a Jake. Whatever that means, uh, and uh, the first thing people notice about you is your shoes. Uh, that's another good one. Uh, first thing people notice about him is that he's whatever. I don't know what to say. Anyway, um, so they're sent on this mission. What the the whole deal is? Uh, you have the Germans in Europe. This is relatively eh, early. It's 1942, I think. So um, you have the Germans in Europe. And the Americans are, you know, Patton and all them are fighting the Germans in Europe. And then you have the Japanese in the Pacific Theater. The Japanese have went into like China and everything, and they're come, they're moving across there with this, with all their men, and they want to stop them from linking up with the Germans. So they send Merrill the, into with his, is it three thousand men? Yeah, three. I think they said exactly, but the the synopsis says three thousand. Yeah, so they go, you know, into the jungle and um, and this really really horrible rough terrain. There's there's times where it's really mountainous, and there's like guys that are like walking across these these mountain that, yeah. goat trails, and this one guy's like ah, and he just falls off the edge. You know, it's like wow. oh my god, and they he, the dude fucking falls off a cliff, and these dudes are so like exhausted by this point, they just kind of stop and look and watch him fall, and then they just yeah. keep on. Well, I think it was one of those deals where it was probably such a sheer cliff that there wasn't anything that they could do anyway. But the one thing – now, there's – the battle sequences in this, there's several times where it's – they have a lot of guys, you know. They must have had a lot of lot of people playing, you know, Japanese, and and uh, you you'd have these uh, big sweeping 
battle thing scenes where uh, it's like a big open thing and there's a lot of guys coming. I liked, and I thought that looked that that looks okay, but you don't get a lot of the more personal stuff close up. There was yeah. one battle that took place. I don't know what this place was, but it was almost like a maze. Oh my god! Okay, there's I I was things. really interested what that was. These big cement yeah. blocks. They're kind of set up. They're in they're in a circle. Like yeah, but they're separated, so you can walk between all yeah. of them, and they're they're angled down. But if you look in the background, there's actually these giant the, those giant like liquid containers, water tanks or something, are sitting on those same things. Uh, so there's some kind of stand for these water tanks, probably yeah. with access underneath, so you could get to whatever comes out yeah. of the tank. Like, have those, but they're you know. going through that, and it's almost like a maze. And then I think Jeff Hunter gets on. T- I didn't. You, I couldn't tell what it was at first. And then when he got on top of it. Then you could see how it was set up and everything. And then there's one part where he walks over to the edge and there's all these dead bodies laying in there. But there, in this type of movie, because of the time, like I said, 1962, um, the carnage, like when you would see the guy shot up uh, and they're really tired, all of uh, Merrill's men are all shot up and they're, they're the wounded and they're all laying around. You know, it's basically they have a bandage on their arm, a bandage on yeah. their leg, maybe a bandage on their stomach or something like that. But you don't see the gore. You don't have guys laying there just screaming and moaning and people are like, you know, hitting them with those uh, injectable uh, morphine things and stuff. So there, you lose a little bit of the horror of war with that. Now, there are some things like where um, they are set up uh, at nighttime – and they get the, the the little Filipino guy goes out and gets some reconnaissance. He crawls out. And he overhears them say that they're going to attack in the morning or something. He comes back, but they're sitting there, wait at night, just like looking out to see if anybody's coming. And the Japanese are sending guys like crawling yeah. here and there to kind of just try and infiltrate. And the one guy's like sitting there looking straight ahead, like straining to see through this fog and everything. And this Japanese guy's like right comes right up behind him, and Claude Akins just happens to see it come up and bash the guy's head in. And oh, here you go. Uh, the U.S. Army was upset at the mood and events in the film, particularly scenes in the Shad- Shadazip maze of GIs accidentally killing other GIs and had the scenes deleted. The original Shadows Up Maze scene was a single take with panning across the battle instead of cutting to close-ups of who was shooting whom. Right. The, the studio told Fuller it looked too artistic and had a second unit director reshoot some of the scenes. You had one guy in this who was actually there. He played Merrill's, uh, I think it was the radio guy or the guy that was always with Merrill, his like aide-de-camp aid or whatever. Well, was, um, the, was it the medic? Ah, I can't remember what his name. The medic was. was always with him, saying you need to you need to sl- you know slow down, and he would be like that, the that, voice of. That might have been who it was, but I know that they said that the, that the one he was actually there. Uh, Vaughn Wilson, who plays General Merrill's aide de camp Bannister, was actually one of Merrill's uh, raiders or marauders. Oh wow! Um, so you had somebody there who was going to tell them, okay, this is what happened. That this is what that was what happened. Now there was a a. Um, a World War II movie made, I think it was back in the early nine or early mid nineties, called Stalingrad, and it was the same thing. It was it it, it took place. Um, it was from the German perspective in Stalingrad, and they're fighting in these um, 
factories and stuff like that. And this one uh, guy, uh, just somebody comes running and he just wheel. I mean, it's almost like a maze. They're in this big, big factories fighting burnt bombed out factories. He just wheels around and shoots and it's, and it's one of his guys. And he's standing there and he, of course it fucks him up and he's standing there like, what the fuck did I do? And a couple of the other Germans just walk over and they go, let's go. Uh, uh, this, don't, uh, you put it out of your head. This has happened yeah, to all yeah. of us. Yeah, the, and that's the, kind of this. But of course, since this, when you have the military involved in making the movie, and this kind of reminds me of um, uh, Zero Dark Thirty. When you have CIA or military or whatever involved in making the movie, and they come in and they say, "Okay, we we watch this your first cut, and we don't want this in here." It makes us, even though it happened, makes it right. Right. You don't like it. That's to me is kind of bullshit because that's making it uh, a rah rah. It's 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 not showing the real horror of war. Which maybe if they would show stuff like that and talk about it. Then people would be like, "This sucks." You, you know, know, I feel like, <laughs> I, and and I'm no I'm no film historian, obviously by any means, but this has to be, and it feels like it in the movie, but this has to be right on the on the cusp of movies starting to be like yeah, war movies being a little movie. more right, like showing things be shitty, and this has that in there because yeah. if you think about the black and white ones, it was almost always like. You know, or what was the one it, even there? It, the one about um, uh, uh, in Belgium with the snow. Um, what the uh, hell is the name of that movie? Oh, I know which one you're talking about. But Battleground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that the I mean, Arden Forest and all that Battle of the Bulls? Right, and that one. I think. Do you remember when that one was from? But it, with even with this oh, one, my God, that was a fairly you, early one. That, I mean, yeah, we, uh, yeah. Even with that one, we see like. It's 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 nineteen forty nine. That was even earlier. Yeah, even though they don't show, um, <laughs> you know, there's there's stands out standouts, but even that movie ultimately feels like the heroic type thing. So I think the movies are just slowly making that transition. Probably yeah. when they got the army not involved. You know, right. if you look at Fuller's The Big Red One, there's no fucking way the army was involved making right. that thing. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's if when you have them involved. You have access to all this equipment. You have access to tanks and ships yeah. and footage of all this stuff and everything. But then there's a certain amount of it they're going to say. that, And that's what I was talking about when I saw the trailer this week for Jarhead 2. Jarhead 1 <laughs> is based on this book that this sniper guy wrote. Jake Gyllenhaal plays the sniper. And it's an anti-war book. He's like, you know, this – kind of sucks and you know we prepared for all this and they you know and all this stuff happens well then they put out jarhead 2 and it looks like a recruiting poster where they're, they're everything's like they say cool stuff like yeah simplify and all this stuff you know and and it, and it just and it looks like a it looks like a uh a video game macho bullshit movie where jarhead one was anything but that you're like god man this sucks yeah so and it's, it's kind of like the making of the movie Green Berets with John Wayne. He had all the military involved, and they and it was kind of like you know the Green Berets or rah rah. Uh, he was a the, fat Green Beret. We're the best. Well, he was a colonel, so he was like an older guy. But um, <laughs> um, you compare that to something like whether it's Apocalypse Now or even The Deer Hunter or something like that. Um, 
this this movie is not it's one of those ones it's kind of like uh you when you watch it you have to kind of say okay well look at the times this mm-hmm. is when you look at hollywood and like i said with dennis hopper um uh he's making studio films up until when they made easy rider and this is kind of like what that is this is this is still hanging on to the old school 1950s uh world war 2 uh, kind of recruiting poster, American heroes, uh, we're the good guys. They, they never show the Japanese as anything but faceless killers. Uh, Unlike the, the next movie. Right. So you you have that. And, with this, and that's one good thing about we're, we're reviewing this and then reviewing Thin Red Line is you have that contrast and how things change and everything. Right. Um, I liked um, – one thing I thought about this is, and this is a question that somebody asked us on our questions this week, is that you know what's the shittiest job you ever had, and not getting into specifics until we answer the question. But one thing I always hated, I hated jobs that didn't have a clear cut um, goal. Like mm-hmm. they say, okay, today we're going to do this, 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 and as soon as you get this done you're done or whatever. Or at five o'clock you start at nine and at five o'clock you're done. Uh, this is kind of how this is where Merrill actually has to play this bullshit game. And I think that kind of comes between him and Ty Harden or um, Stockton is he is told after they, they're, they're told, okay, this is your mission. This is what you guys are getting together to do. We're going to go from here to here, and you need to take this thing. And it's really hard, and it's really tough. And, I mean, they're beaten up. Lots of guys get killed, and they're, they're, they don't have – sick, malaria, and typhus. Yeah, all kinds of stuff like that. And they reach their goal, and then they're like, yes, okay, all we have to do is sit here and wait for our relief – but then this general shows up still well, I think so what his name was. He shows up and he's like, okay, now you're going to go to here and you're going to do this. And then you're going to go from there and do this. And Merrill, it, it does show that he's not just a, a hard-ass dick, yeah, kind of like somebody in the next movie. He, uh, <laughs> he pleads with this guy. He's like, listen, my guys are half dead. They're exhausted. They're they're." Malaria, typhus, they're sick. Um, they're so exhausted that they're they're falling down. They're they're having like a, almost like shell shock kind of a deal and everything, fatigue, combat fatigue and everything. And this guy's like, it doesn't matter. You know, you have to do this. You just have to there's you have no choice. You just have to do it. So and it's an I guess shows his intelligence. It's kind of a shitty conniving thing, but he has to trick his own guys. He says, well, we're going to go here, which is only like – if they had to go 500 miles, he says, well, we have to go here to here, God. and then we're done. Could and you then fucking imagine could... walking 500 – 200 yeah. miles? Yeah. Especially, Especially through know. this. I don't even want to walk five, um, one mile. <laughs> <laughs> From the couch to the refrigerator, I'm like, man, I'm hungry. Ah, fuck it. I'll just go to I'll sleep. get food later. I'll probably – I can <laughs> sleep and ignore it. <laughs> but, but you can imagine – 
when you have a goal like that, and it's like somebody saying, and, and when you know, this is high school, but like when we play football, and they'd say, okay, you got to run around this thing four times, run around the field four times, and you're like, fuck. So you get you run around it, you're done, <laughs> and then they're like, you know, Mazook, run. <laughs> Run three more laps because you were fucking talking the whole time. And I'm like, who was it talking? Which I was. I was always looking at the cheerleaders or the majorettes and getting in trouble and shit like that when I was supposed to be paying attention. And that's why my career was not very good because I didn't care. Um, and I hate people yelling at me. I, I would never – the army would suck. Like when yeah, some assholes yes. like screaming at you, stuff like that, it makes me just fucking uh, – So, but I they, they do portray – these guys, they are, you know, portray them as heroes, and I guess, you know, they they were. They that was a hor a, a not a horrible. Oh, it's horrible because it's war and war sucks. Um, but they go as far as they go, lose as much as they lose, uh, pushed beyond the limits of any human being to stop this uh, the imperialist Japanese from taking over or whatever. I understand that, and but it just sucks that even in this world today that guys are sent to do that. And you can imagine even watching this as much as it's sort of sugar coated, you know, yeah. it's not, uh, as brutal as it could be it, that war movie. Now today's war movies with are, are really in your face horrors of war and everything because they don't have a draft, <laughs> you know, only <laughs> guys that say, yeah, I want to go over there. They're the only ones that go, but it's still, you know, these guys are, pushed to the limit and a lot of times like general smedley butler you know said and he was a double world war one double medal of honor winner the most decorated soldier of world war one and everything said war is a racket it's basically like mafia tribes fighting each other and you're fighting for big business you're fighting for when they say you're fighting for your their interests you know the interest of America. It's just businessmen. You're you're fighting for a fruit company. You're fighting for Exxon. Or you're fighting for uh, whatever. Um, and when you look at it from that perspective, it sucks. Um, yes. And I I feel bad for these guys and everything. But this movie in general is. Um, I'm glad I watched it. It wasn't horrible, but it wasn't. It's not a top notch uh world war ii movie like uh even something like i said with john wayne or kirk douglas yeah. or something like that where I've, I've, with I the like acting it, you know is, i think is the, you know the, the stars I, I, and I, I feel like it might have been the whole studio thing versus fuller because right. you know the two movies i mentioned last was it last week when somebody asked favorite more movies uh S steel helmet and this right. which sandwiched it both of those feel a lot different Right, you wonder, wonder how much, how much uh, they, yeah, they, they how much they, uh, they, influence they hamstring they, him or whatever, right? right? Because he doesn't seem like the kind of guy. He's kind of like William Wellman or somebody like that. That maybe he was there, or he's the kind of guy that that if they would have given him free reign, you know, and said we're taking all the fucking taking all the the gloves are off. You make the the, the grittiest. I think that he could have made. Something just as gritty, just as hard, just as hard ass as anything that they're making today. Uh, and like I said, Big, Big Red One is a newer movie that that Fuller did. Still 1980, 
But I mean, like yeah. I'm talking about like Saving Private Ryan, Thin Red Line, something like that. Fuller could have easily made something that, you yeah. know, hardcore. So what I mean, you know, I, but I, I'm, I'm on the same page as you are. Yeah, the um, the I, I wish there's this feels like you know, and and you know, talking about the the maze at, with those concrete slabs. In reading about what happened there, this movie feels like um, Fuller at times, and other times it feels like a generic movie. Right. For that reason, it's interesting because, well, I mean, there's some scenes in there, and it kind of even there's some there's some moments later on that even parallel um, uh, Thin Red Line. Yeah. With you know a guy crying with this like really this little act that's done to for him. Um, you know, it's like everything catching up to him at once. It almost got me. It was, it was a nice moment, but there's not, it, there's not a ton of that in the movie. Meryl could have been a little more fleshed out as far as like being less one foot in front of the other kind of thing, you know? And, yeah. and the, the relationship between him and Stockton was touched on, but not really go. It doesn't really go anywhere. Ultimately. His, his, Meryl's physical, uh, that kind of, they, they hinted at it through the movie. Mm-hmm. You know that he was having some issues, you know. So I mean, that, that was kind of that kind of hit close to home because I've had the exact same yeah. thing. So that wasn't a lot of fun. And, and you know what? And speaking of that, uh, with what happens to him in one scene, uh, I hate to sound like an emotional douche, but it kind of made me think about that. And I was like, man, <laughs> and I, mean, I, I don't know how. I wonder how old. Uh, this, that Merrill, of course. How old did we say Hunter was? Or not Hunter, but uh, uh, I was thinking Jeffrey Hunter. Jeffrey Chandler, how old was Chandler he? Chandler died when he was 42. Jesus During that Christ. surgery. I think and, I was 41 or 42 when that actually happened to me. So, And um, uh, that the real life. General's uh, probably older. Uh, but Frank maybe. Merrill, was, he died in 1952. So this was so, 42. Yeah, so, so I mean, he? he was probably he was probably only in his fifties. Jesus, war as hell. Yeah, and his was I mean, his was his. I re, I was reading about him a little bit, and I think his was the result of him just not taking care of himself during war because this is you know probably probably, think, he probably had something maybe something there either genetically or whatever, but like back then drinking, smoking, and eating greasy food plus uh, right. the stress. Uh, it was probably a major part. And then the fear that, you know, his fucking tunic's going to get blown open and he's got a bra, push up bra on, <laughs> something like that. The fear, you know what I'm saying? And, and something, <laughs> uh, something you realize when you watch this too is how crazy widespread World War II actually was. Oh my God. No, because, kidding. you know, it's like, you have you have the the general areas of it. You have the islands south of Japan, and you have the European continent. But you got Africa. You got fucking. It went into Russia, which we don't really ever talk about in movies. And watching this, uh, watching that zombie movie today, it really made me want to start finding some Russian World War Two movies. Yeah, you're getting more of those more stuff like that coming out since the. You know, follow the Soviet Union mm-hmm. where they're making stuff like that, which is really good. These guys start in India and fucking march into Burma. Like it's every like everywhere. Like every yeah. country 
Except maybe Antarctica, and who knows? Probably some fucking ship battles happened there. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, uh, Sam, the, the uncle that I um, um, watched PT 109 with, he was in the uh, Aleutian Islands in Alaska, and he thought, okay, well, you know, they probably didn't have see any kind of action or anything like that. I can't remember what they were doing up there. Well, I mean, you know, it's uh, the the Bering Strait and everything mm-hmm. from Russia and right? They got fucking attacked by the Japanese. Not many people know that, but they they were in Alaska, and these Japanese uh, came up to Alaska, and like a whole shitload of them, because nobody expected it. They didn't have like this big force up there, and they fucking like wiped out a, a, a bunch of Americans up there. So, you know, you weren't safe anywhere. Look at uh, Pearl Harbor, you know, and yeah, and at yeah. that point. There were U-boats on the east coast out in the ocean, you know, and, and on the west coast. You know, people were scared to death that, uh, you know, Japanese subs are on, you know, out there in the water. It, it really puts a weight on at least the real-life guys that had to do this because they are told in this movie that they are the sole group responsible for keeping the Japanese army from linking up with the Germans – in India or wherever. Yeah. And like, it's up to these guys because they can't, for whatever reason, they don't, they, they're not parachuting in. And it's up to these guys to march fucking 500 miles or however far they go, which is insane. Can you imagine how bad feet would oh, probably raw? God. You know, goddamn boots and just, you know, walk, 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 and, walk. And, and there's a, there's a certain kind of romance about the world war two story set in, in Europe. You got the old buildings and the churches, and you know, it, it, you know. Don't get me wrong; it all fucking looks horrible. Yeah. But you know, you get these World War II stories in Europe, and like they go on leave to Paris, and they're liberating these villages, and and the women are running out of the buildings, hugging them and stuff. And then you got this, but that is just kind of like the the. This is there's nothing romantic about this at all. They're fucking climbing mountains and getting yeah. eaten by leeches, and yeah. Uh, it, it, Watch it Come See about that terrible. kid in Russia with yeah. a fucking uh, – oh, my God. So, I mean, you know, it, I, I've said this – we said this on the show before and I say it now. I was listening to a podcast or something the other day and these guys were like, you know, they should bring the draft back because then everybody will have an investment in this and then maybe people won't. And I was like, no, they fought so hard to get rid of the fucking draft where these goddamn people would – Make everybody who was 18 to whatever, you know, 30-something if you didn't have a wife and kids. And you would have to go and fight these fucking wars and get fucked up for life. And that's what, like, in Vietnam, they fought so hard that burning their draft cards saying, no, we're not going to go, motherfucker. You know, this is your bullshit. You're starting this crap. And then, you know, and and uh, I'm going to go over there and get killed. I'm going to go over and get maimed and, you know, to stop the domino effect and all this bullshit. Um, it's just I I there's a catch 22 because you have a a uh, professional army, basically, of guys that sign up on their own. Uh, you know, they mm-hmm. they sign up to be in the army. They know what it is. They know what could happen and they sign up for it. Uh, and that does give it, there is a disconnect because they're, they're over there fighting and, you know, you might see some stuff on TV, you know, and the guys come back and they're fucked up and everything. But I think one of the reasons that there isn't as much of a protest is because there aren't, everybody doesn't have somebody over there, but that's not a bad thing too, because 
you know, you don't have a whole bunch of people over there fighting for these dickheads to burn their fucking cars, gasoline and shit. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I don't want to get off on a tangent like that. But um, old school rate it. war movie, I give it uh, – it's a little – it's to me a little bit better than average. Um, yeah. I think that in the right – no, I shouldn't say in the right hands because I think Fuller is a, is a great director. But I think that um, – if he was given a little bit more of a free reign, and it would have, and, and it would have been cast with uh, some better actors, it could have been really good. This this would be one that would be ripe to be remade by a more with a more modern day actor, or uh, with of course modern day act, modern actors, but a more um, adventurous and. Uh, style where they, they uh, no holds barred style right you know, and a little bit more transvestitism and uh, more <laughs> a little more erotic. Um, licking one problem there you go what do you rate it six that's it <laughs> six yeah <laughs> i give it a yeah. 6.25 i'm right there with you uh better than average um and that's i think it's because of the the the, the the parts that I feel it, especially, uh, you know, the, the, the make or break moment, the, um, the, the maze scene was just, yeah. And when he, when the dude's walking across the, the concrete slabs yeah. and all of those corpses just strewn everywhere and it was just heavy and gross and fucking horrible. I was going and, to say, knowing what, you know, reading since we did this movie, reading about Jeff Chandler and that he was the st- a star and you know how he died and everything i would be curious to watch some other stuff that he's in something a little bit more meaty but then i remembered a world war ii movie i think it was from the german perspective Mm -hmm. after it was after world war ii where it's jack palance stars very young jack palance young and they are made to go and defuse these uh, the the bombs that the airplanes dropped that didn't blow up, and they're you know they're trying to regroup uh, the cities which are just bombed out rubble, and they have these guys that go out and they, they there's bomb there's these big bombs that are dropped out of like uh, B-17s and stuff that haven't exploded, and they have to go and take care of them and defuse them, and it's really tense and really high pressure. That's a good. I can't remember what it's called. I think I may have reviewed that on Paleo Cinema, but I just like to you know maybe find some other stuff with Jeff Chandler just to kind of. This was a the stoic soldier kind of a it yeah, it, yeah. it, it lended itself to be more of a generic kind of a role you know the stoic yeah. or whatever. I'd like to see him and some other stuff to see if it, if you know how, what he can do with some other material. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, um, yeah, I'm glad I watched it too. So I'll be a fuller completist someday, I guess. So. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, let's take a break and come back and talk about some Thin Red Line. Uh, we'll be right back. Big drink, fatty. <laughs> Movies need only three things. Badasses. You tell me what you want done, and I'll do the hell out of it. A chick with drive who don't take no jive. Boobs. Do you know that the female breast, known to be the source of life since Eve, can be 
Deadly weapons. And body counts. Body count. The mathematics of murder and menace. The BBNBC podcast discusses lesser-known action, exploitation, and horror cult cinema. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, and SoundCloud by searching for BBNBC podcast. You can also listen to each episode directly on the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Got the goddamn message? Let's go to work. Thin Red Line, 1998. Zom, would you like to... You've got an easy one. <laughs> it's the worst synopsis. Oh, um, um, yeah, you cut out there, so I didn't hear you. Uh, I didn't yeah. hear you prompt me. Uh, oh, sorry, yeah. Terrence Maddox, adaptation of James Jones, autobiographical 1962 novel focusing on... At con... <laughs> Focusing on the conflict at Guadalcanal during the Second World War. All right. So I just gave you the easiest one ever. That was a, and you that was get not, it. It's not even, yeah, it's, it's not even a synopsis. Okay. No, I'll not. say that I'll, I, can, I can preface this review by yeah, saying sure. as soon as I saw this movie when I, in the theater in 1998, I went out and bought the book without even opening the book. Only to realize the book is nothing like the movie. It's actually like, oh, on this date we went here and blah blah. You know, it's very, it's a, it's like a factual book. Uh, at least from what I remember, I, I was not into it. But this, spoiler alert, I'm into. Um, so as that, uh, what do you rate it? As that, I rate it a six. Um, as. <laughs> As the, uh, the 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 eloquent the eloquent uh, the eloquently written synopsis said, this is about the conflict at Guadalcanal, and that's it. That's all it is. It's just what a what a crappy one. Oh, anyway, pretty much. Um, so this is interesting that um, Terrence Malick is well. I guess you could say he's divisive. He he does some pretty pretentious stuff. Um, or could be taken that way. For me, it works. I can't say that I've seen any of his movies that don't that doesn't work for me on many levels. And this is one of them. I this might have been since I did see it in the theater. This might have been the first movie of his I ever even saw. Um, and I remember I remember going to see it. I saw it at the same theater as Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. um, which. When I went to go see Saving Private Ryan, I had to sit in the front row on a, at a midnight screening because it was still sold out, and uh, the tank scene totally made me like shit my pants with the with the room like shaking. Um, this does not have any tanks. Um, this Wait is. Wait a minute! You said it literally made you shit your pants. 
It did. I know there was just diarrhea everywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just like, you never know, you know. I also saw Phantom Menace at this theater as well. Um, it's better. And this is actually, theater's pretty close. Uh, we, you know what's funny? I only saw this in the theater once. Uh, I went and saw Phantom Menace like four times because it was like, I'd go see it. I was excited about Star Wars. Um, and then I remember one time it was, I saw it, I left the theater, and I saw a friend of mine. Hey, what are you going to see? Phantom Menace. I'm like, fuck it, I'll go see it again. <laughs> and it was like that. And then another time we took a big group of people, and we took uh, chips and dip in there and sat in two rows and had <laughs> chips and dip. Anyway, um, back to this movie. Uh, when I left this one, um, my one of my friends was uh, kind of shitting on it. And I remember, I will never forget this, and I always feel bad when I jump on people, but I made a really uh, – uh, I guess it wasn't really mean, but just like a, a snappy comment at him. I said, I said in a very redneck voice, well, if I wanted to be moved, I'd just go take a shit. And so I'll never forget saying that to him. And I felt guilty about it afterwards. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> anyway. Um, so Malik <laughs> doing, <laughs> God. I was an asshole to him. Um, Malik is an interesting uh, uh, director to handle a war film. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a perspective of his because he's very, he, he takes his time with his imagery. He is a very, he is a fascination, uh, with natural elements, nature itself, the course of just life in general. So it, it, it kind of makes sense, but it's a definitely, definitely an interesting, uh, or a, a, a different, like a, a unique, uh, take on this sort of thing because, War is, I mean, it's really the, almost the antithesis of anything he might celebrate in his movies. You know, the, the circle of life or, you know, things passing or uh, the, the nature, just beauty in nature. It, because it's, it's when, he ta- when he shows death in his movies, you know, like, um, uh, shit, the name of the, what was, the one with Brad Pitt in it where he was the dad. Anyway, the, um, the dinosaur it? scene in that movie. What's that? all that. Never saw Tree it. of Life? Yeah, I never saw it. Yet. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, it's good. It's it's it's. Uh, but there's a there's a. And I know that sounds going to sound weird to you then because you haven't seen it. There's a dinosaur scene in it. Was Brad Pitt <laughs> riding the dinosaur? He was dressed Jeez. as Jesus. Um, the. What the <laughs> hell is that? It, man. It's crazy. Um, but it kind of just it, it, it's this moment that kind of shows the this this passing of life and and blah 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 anyway and it's a natural moment anyway in this you know war there's really not nothing natural about the way these people are are going and throughout this whole movie you get this mix of these these quiet moments this these contemplative moments this you know observation of life in a setting that where people are just that don't know each other at all hate each other and are trying to murder each other and, and and they're to each other they're faceless. But anyway, um, this this movie it's a it's it's a very human film. You know it shows fear and disgust. And, and you know when we we touched on this a little bit in Merrill's Marauders, but this one it takes that that idea of just just war being a big pile of shit and 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 
amplifies it, you know, and that's the, the theme of the whole thing. Just the disgust, the, the, the sympathy for each other, which is which, which makes some great moments in this. Just guys losing their shit. I don't know the actor that did it, but there's a one guy that he becomes like that traveling poet almost. He just has totally lost his mind. He just kind of wanders around um, prophesizing. Um, but uh, you give a you have the constant um, just comparison or the con- the contrasting of beauty and nature and family versus this unnatural death and destruction that goes all around. Um, it starts off with uh, Jim Caviezel, uh, Wit, Private Wit. I don't remember his. Yeah. Do you remember his? Yeah, Private Private Wit. Um, it starts off on an island. Now, Guadalcanal, it's not Samoa. Where is that? Do you know where is that located? Oh, it says, um, I was just reading that, god damn it. I will tell you, because uh, I know these things. I do research. <laughs> uh, Solomon Islands. It's situated in the Solomon Islands in the Pacific, northeast of Australia. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, and that's real. I mean, that's really, that's really far south, you know. Um, so... And, and I think there there seems to be a little confusion at first with these forces of why the Japanese even have staged uh, this put this air base there and blah blah blah. And um, and this is this is early on in the in the Pacific part of the war, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, it starts with Wit, and he is on this. He's in this beach um, or this coastal village. Um, I don't know if it's uh, I don't know what island he's on, but he's he's observing this these this simple quiet life that these natives are living. You know they're they're the you know they're they're fishing they're they're cracking open oysters with rocks they're they're playing around goofing around. Um, you know, and like I said, this is Jim Caviezel, and he's. I think that when this movie was marketed, it was they said something about Sean Penn being the star of it. He he plays a I guess a pivotal role in it, but it's really I mean this is a, a Jim Caviezel this is Jim Caviezel movie, and this is a few years before he became our Lord and Savior. So yeah, I uh, think this, <laughs> this is the first thing I ever saw him in. I I think yeah, yeah. if I look through, I might recognize something else, but but. <clears throat> what was interesting about that because he he is oh he was a GI Jane a, and the Rock. I have never seen the Rock. Oh, there's my there's my confession of the day. Um, I have seen GI Jane, but I've forgotten most of it. The but uh, and and later on, you know, I I, I don't want to say maybe that Private Wit is a as a pacifist, but he just has a different way. And that's where I mentioned that Sean Penn plays a kind of a pivotal role. They they are the contrasting views of this situation they're in, in a way. Because Caviezel kind of, he almost, it's almost at times like he's sleepwalking through this entire thing. Uh-huh. And no matter what is kind of handed to him, he doesn't really seem to worry about it too much. He's obviously not real enthusiastic about being there. Which makes me, you know, use the word pacifist in the first place because you you learn early on that he's gone AWOL and that's you know he has run away again and he's trying to hide because he doesn't he's not interested in it. It's not I don't think that it's that he's a coward. He's not afraid to do to to do these things. I don't think he just it's just that he doesn't want to. Um, 
but it's it's interesting there at the beginning you see him observe the way he observes this this lifestyle of uh these island natives and then later on he's really he's walking literally amongst the same people maybe not the exact same group but and the way he looks at them then after he's gone through a lot of shit has completely changed yeah he's observing the same people but now he sees these skulls on the walls um, he sees, you know, guys fighting with each, with each other, even at the beginning, after, at the beginning when he was asking, why don't the kids ever fight? And these two guys are like fist fighting. It shows a little kid with these like sores on her back and the, the flies on her back and stuff. And it's like, I assume that stuff was there before, but his experiences have kind of. Yeah, he was kind of seeing view. things through rose colored glasses. Yeah. Like he, he and, found paradise. But the, even the way when, like what you said, when he asked that woman, he said, um, "These the kids never fight." Thinking, you know, like maybe when he was a kid, you know, that they were always like Americans fighting and all this stuff. And yeah. she goes, "Yeah, they do." I mean, she told him. She goes, "Yeah." She goes, "Yeah, they do." Sometimes when they're playing, they do. So, like you know, they weren't any different than anybody else. It, just at first, he felt like he stumbled into paradise i could he probably thought i could live here forever this is perfect they don't, but he did wasn't looking at the that they probably had a lot of the same issues the same problems yep. that any other kids any other parents any other couples they're human beings and they're human that's kind of that's his like view of how everything was as where then you have Sean Penn's character Sean Penn plays e I'm always so bad with these fucking names. Sergeant Welsh. Yeah. Sergeant Welsh has a very jaded, I guess you could say even realistic approach to this whole thing. You know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't abuse wit, but he sees this kind of like this dreamer in wit and it's constantly telling him, I mean, he tells him right at the beginning, you'll never be a real soldier. Mm -hmm. And, it's it's Caviezel is Pruitt, Montgomery Clift, and Sean Penn is Lancaster, who is the it's it's by the I mean isn't it by the same guy, James Jones. Oh, is it? Yeah, and then they, they that's what uh, they are they are sort of the same. They I've even heard that comparison. I think I said that in the last show. Maybe this, you know what? Maybe this, maybe this book is not the one I'm thinking of. It's they're kind of the same characters, you know. They, they, uh, the that uh, Pruitt and Wit, uh, you know, uh, and and Lancaster being the, you know, all you had to do was box, but you know, why did why don't you, why are you fighting the system, you hard head, mm-hmm. you know, and everything. So it's sort of, it, there's a lot of parallels. I I, I said that like when we reviewed. Uh, from here to eternity that there, there were some parallels there and somebody pointed out that I think it's the same actual, the same author. Oh yeah. Here you go. The, the James Jones draws heavily on his experiences at the battle of Mount Austin, the galloping horse and the seahorse during world war II's Guadalcanal campaign. Jaw. So yeah, I think maybe, I guess it was, this novel. I do remember it just wasn't like, it's, it's kind of, it felt like almost factual. It's not, but, it, it was not presented in this way. Well, I think remember. that uh, there there was a wasn't there a book or something the Guadalcanal Diaries, and I don't know. it was um, it, it what it was was uh, stories. It's like they had a they had a TV show called Letters Home uh, 
uh, letter something about Vietnam letter letters home to, from Vietnam, and mm-hmm. it was a documentary where they had famous stars uh, reading these letters from Vietnam. And I thought that's how the Guadalcanal Diaries book actually okay. was that it was you know all about just different guys and the letters or, that they wrote about what was going on and their experiences, and that's why you have these. Uh, voiceover narratives of each guy like Nick Nolte talking, you know, they're showing his character and he's saying, you know, about getting passed over or whatever. And then with, uh, talk, doing voice, having a voiceover of Jim Caviezel, sort of like that. I'm not, I'm thinking the same thing you're thinking. I think that it says James Jones wrote, uh, this, a novel, but I think there was actually the Guadalcanal diaries, was a was a the book I think maybe you're talking about that was like a factual thing. We did this, we did that, you know, blah 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 blah. I feel like I don't know, I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to um, go back and check it out. But I remember not being getting into it though. Right. I think I was expecting something like this, this like metaphysical look at the whole thing, and it wasn't. But um, the you know another another Sean Penn quote when he says in this world a man himself is nothing and there ain't no world but this one and and yeah that know, one made me uh, feel wit, really good yeah <laughs> wit, wit, wit's argument is that I've seen another world and and I don't know maybe by the end maybe he hasn't I don't know I don't know if that question is ever answered but well, is, um, there, is that is that a, he he uh, t- He's talking about the island and, you know, how peaceful and innocent and everything it was. But like I said, rose-colored glasses there. But he also talks about his mother and your – it made me wonder if, if maybe – I know that he's not – it's almost like a spiritual thing, not necessarily yeah, yeah. like a Jesus Christ or something like that, but a spiritual thing that there's something else there Uh like when his mother died and that, you know, he's hoping that he'll see her and that there's probably yeah. more to them than, than just this. And that's why I wonder with, um, Malik, I know that he's a big photography person and it really shows some beautiful shit that they show in this. Yeah. But if the, um, a lot of the nature stuff wasn't, uh, also kind of a, Circle, like you said, circle of life thing, uh, and a lot of people, including you know, this is the way I feel. It, if you want to call it spirituality or whatever, is that uh, you know we're looking to explain everything by creating mythos, but when it comes down to it, like DNA and stuff like that, is returning to the earth and returning to the natural cycle. And right. I was wondering if he's kind of seeing something like that, and that's what Malik's showing that stuff. And I understand what, like, what you when you were saying about the, because um, I feel this too in some ways when he's showing nature, uh, but then you show the destruction, which even affects the birds and the animals and the plant life is just destroyed and everything. Oh, and the one phenomenal shot. Where Cavizio's just looking on, and there's a half buried face, like yeah. staring back at him, and it's like this, you know, it's it's soil, it's earth, and there's just a dead guy's face just sticking out of it, and how that guy fucking sat there without blinking with yeah. dirt in his eyes, I will never know. But how? But that's all you see. You all you see is his face, and it was pretty. Is, it was pretty great. 
this is just like a philosophical thing or something, but um, if man is part of nature and man creates war and destruction, is that not part of nature too? I mean, we're here unless we're animal, some kind of a, you know. I don't know if other animals do that though. Maybe they do. I mean, like, you know, like colonies of ants and stuff. They're like, well, I want your shit. I'm going <laughs> to. I don't know. But I mean, you know, it's maybe it's it's us looking down at ourselves and as some kind of evil thing in paradise like Wit does when he's on that I, that that island where he thinks everything's paradise and he's but w- maybe we look at ourselves like that like this earth would be paradise without if it wasn't for the scourge of man but when it comes down to it man is part of this ecosystem it's you know we're here we, and we but have we never, not the, had war yeah um, and but the thing the thing we have that the rest of nature doesn't is that self Con, that self-reflection and that yeah we, we know what the, we're well we're supposed to know what the fuck is going on <laughs> it's not just instinct uh, or is it's it? all oil right it's all about the pussy yeah wait well, um <laughs> <laughs> first you get the money then you get the power you know and once you get the power you get the plus and that's what everybody's after even the big oil guys you know they just want as much power and you know, I completely forgot Whatever. that I forgot, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot Travolta was in this, which is funny to see him. Oh, I did um, not think he was good at all. I thought he was one of yeah. the worst acting in the movie. Because everybody has mustache, he's fat, and he acts like John Travolta. <laughs> you see him acting. You know? That has a, like a, at least an extended part. I thought does well. He's kind of a throwaway. Um, Clooney comes in there briefly. Um, yeah. but it kind of makes you wonder because there are s- several people that were in this, this movie was like six fucking hours long before they edited it. And there's some big name stars <laughs> that got left on the cutting room floor. Like you'll find some clips on YouTube of Mickey Rourke. Uh, and he oh, shot wow. some powerful scenes. They cut it out, but then they leave in like Travolta who wasn't good at all. And Clooney at the end, well, I know they serve a purpose, but yeah. They just kind of throw away bullshit scenes that they left in. Maybe it's because they paid. And Clooney, Clooney could have been anybody. But there, yeah, like I said, there's so any. many people. And a lot of them are names That's that you'll you. see later into the 2000s, like Adrian Brody. Yeah. Or, um, I mean, John Cusack had obviously been around. I mean, he's in there. John C. Riley, Jared there's Leto. There's a lot of faces that you, that you also know, but you won't know their name probably. Yeah. Jared Leto appears in there. and Woody Harrelson. Kind of. You don't think he talks too much. Woody Harrelson, yeah, he was, Eli- Elias Coteus, not holding on to his hairdo this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like him a Everybody's lot. Everybody's very – Every everybody except for uh, Nolte and Travolta are pretty uh, – they, they look so skinny and young. So even, yeah. even John C. Riley looked pretty young. But mm, – chili lime almonds. <laughs> um, <laughs> these are spicy. Yeah. But – I love the scene underneath the boat, and it's it, it kind of um, has these guys just contemplating things. Like they're stressed, they're tense before this landing. The score here, which I think won an Academy Award, do you remember? Do you know who did the score? I don't um, remember. If it, I'm, it wouldn't be surprised if it did because it was really good. But yeah, it, this, this is it, the music here. Artistic masterpiece. Yeah, the the music here I liked a lot because. Um, 
you get the rumbling of the ship underneath and it, for for me it kind of added to that tension because this movie and we could talk about this a little bit but this movie came out the same year as Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. So there was a lot of comparisons. There was a lot of comparisons and they're they're different they they have they have different intentions but mm-hmm. after you've seen Saving Private Ryan you've seen the Normandy invasion you know these guys are headed towards the same sort of thing. Um now, have a, if you had not seen the movie, and I had seen it, and I knew it was going to happen, but you still feel this tension because you're like, fuck, and this, the boat's kind of swaying. Yeah. But the score is very good there when they're under the boat because the, the, the strings, but like lots of low strings kind of that, that mirror the that rumbling of the ship's engines. And, um, and there's a lot of I, stuff I felt- where they don't. They're, the guys aren't speaking and don't have to speak. They're laying in their bunks, and you can just see their eyes kind of going back and forth like because their yeah. minds are just racing. Right. You know, and they don't have to speak, and that builds the tension. You're like – because you do put yourself in their position. Oh, my God. You're probably thinking, you know, what's going to happen, and is this, am I going to die? Is this going to – you know, really does make and you – it, it, put you, it puts you right there. You are an observer. Malik – because like I said, he's a he's a big uh, into photography and and shooting things, whatever. He makes you an observer. The the one thing that I thought when I was watching this, and this is kind of a odd comparison, I th- sort of is uh he makes you a witness to all this, including you're a witness to these guys' thoughts with the voiceovers, yeah. and it kind of reminded me in a weird way of Enter the Void. But not that you know you're yeah, yeah. you're a specific person, but you are a witness to you're, all you're these guys. You're privy to things that you shouldn't right. be able to see, see or hear. Right. Yeah. Um, the um, and on this uh, while we're on the ship too, you know, we'll, we'll go back to Travolta. That's when we're introduced to um, Nick Nolte's character. Ugh. Yeah. <clears throat> now, L- Lieutenant yeah. Tall. Now, he. Is a very interesting. Now, I, I'm, I like I like I said earlier, I'm not a scholar on on any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But he's interesting in that he's not this heroic leader, and and not going to like. You know, he does some stuff that kind of does the that does the tropes of war movies. You know, he walks around as the leader with shit exploding and doesn't flinch. But what we learn about him just early on, as Travolta's talking to him, is. Like he has been, he just led this like mediocre life. Mm-hmm. He's been an officer, but he's never really like. There's been no glory at all, and it becomes this driving force of his. Um, and I it, it leads made him to really some fucking pathetic. Yeah, just, yeah, like, because he he wanted so bad to be part of something huge. Yeah, um, that was like his reason for being there, and. That the the moment when he realizes, well, shit, <laughs> now I have it, and this kind of sucks, is pretty amazing. But um, he's he's really good. I mean, he's really good in this. That general like, lieutenant Tall or whatever his name is is a real shithead. Captain, but, I think it was captain. Okay, and and or lieutenant colonel. Is that what it was? Because I know he he was he was, he was close to being a general, but he he got passed over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and he's never Cusack uh, was like a captain, or, and uh, Elias Coteus were captains. And and because Travolta said to him once, like you know, Nolte's sitting there like, "Fuck, I've never, I've never, amount, I've never amounted to anything." And then all the while, Travolta's saying, uh, 
saying, you know, I admire someone that's not worried about the politics and just looking yeah. for the generals, this general star. Uh, you're, you want to be out I there hated on the that field shit with when the guys. You got the – what's that? Go ahead. When you, when you got the uh, that uh, Nolte when he's talking to Travolta and you get that voiceover and Nolte says some the, the voiceover is him saying something like uh, about standing so close to Caesar and I just yeah. I mean, that makes me want to puke I'm like you fucking goddamn douchebag you know you have but these I, guys, these are you have these men's lives in your hands and you're in this romantic Shakespearean frame of mind about wanting to power and glory and all this bullshit yeah. you fucking cunt but I, I love that i love that quiet scene with him sitting there tears in his eyes and just you, you're wondering what the, what exactly he's thinking yeah because you, you know with this it, guy anybody else the tears in their eyes would be like uh about these guys getting killed and how awful it is but the tears in his eyes are self-pity that he got passed over and that he wants to be fucking general Patton or macarthur or i wonder i wonder if he's just looking around like i like i said he's Uh, he's he's driven these guys and he's the leader of this successful march up this mountain and after they've after they've had their victory he sits there and looks around and it's like well fuck this isn't very fun after you know this isn't like all i thought it would be there's there, this experience is not everything's the same you know they they made it up this hill and then you know i, I watched hamburger hill recently yeah it's just a, it's a fucking hill a a, a mound of a dirt pile, a big, and these guys a big are pile of dirt and his glory his drive to get this like that was going to be his thing and then when they finally get to the top it's like well shit now everybody's just dead and it's a pile of dirt but um and it's it's, it's like forty five minutes. What's that? <laughs> I says a pile yeah. of dirt. <laughs> uh, uh, it's forty five minutes uh, before we even get really any military action because uh, famously the landing on Guadalcanal was unopposed. You know yeah. these guys are. Expe- I don't know if that's a spoiler, but these guys are expecting Normandy and they just walk onto the beach and it's completely quiet. Now, now hey this, man, where's this, everybody the, at? The fight for this Island went on like two years, but Ugh, God, um, can you imagine that? God. Um, fucking I, Paul Warndorf and Hulk Hogan went on for probably two years. <laughs> it's true. Um, and they were Hogan never the same after. time. <laughs> and look at Orndorff. He was never the same, just physically beat oh, down. He looks like a skinny Nick guy. Nolte with a giant mustache. Anyway. I do like his mustache. Yeah. Um, poor guy. Uh, the And I'm going to think of fucking El Goro every time I watch this in the future now, because I posted, I said that I love the shot across the hill through the through the tall grass, and yeah. then he posted some fuck, snarky fucking comment about, oh, did he have somebody touching grass? You fucking jerk. He said um, what? He said, uh, he said, oh, a Malik movie. I bet, uh, did, is this the oh. one with somebody uh, walking through a field of grass, touching it with their yeah. fingers? Yeah. But um, that sort of thing, I can, <laughs> I can say on that, <clears throat> is, is something I like about, well, this movie in particular, but what Malik does in general is these little these focusing on these small experiences these these little moments that are kind of throwaway you see a lot of close ups of hands touching in this fingers brushing on yeah. on somebody's shoulders just speaking little speaking of the uh, tall grass uh you uh-huh. said about the uh the the landing how nothing 
they they run opposed and they come on they're yeah. all jacked up you know their adrenaline's pumping they they get on the beach and there's nothing and the guy says hey we, they, these scouts come and they say hey there there's nothing for them you know we've been out there you know 30 miles or whatever and there's nothing we don't know where they're at or whatever and, and they're like Phew, you know big let down then when they go through the grass you know they're they're everything's pretty quiet and everything and they get in that tall grass and they show these guys standing there and these two guys walk over and there's these two mutilated bodies and it's like yeah you know it's don't forget this yeah. is not yeah this is uh don't forget um the um but i i love that shot um the i'm going to i'm going to forget this guy's name too the guy that did the score and the guy that did, did the uh cinematography john toll Hans Zimmer did the uh, cinematography. I mean, did the the score and John Toll, um, who he's done a lot of pretty epic stuff. But um, Hans Zimmer is the guy that did uh, in the Inception soundtrack stuff like that. Um, but um, is the, that the one that everybody of, makes the, the snarky comment about uh, the one note thing? Yeah, it's a burp. Yeah. You gotta love the snark. Um, <laughs> have, somebody else needs to draw a, char- a character called the snark. Yes, it um, just comes in and takes the piss out of everything. Let's take the wind out of our sails every time. Yeah, but I love that scene. I love that shot with the that cr- it has to be on a crane or something spreading through the grass and and even yeah. it's almost first person. The grass is actually touching the camera. Um, it's very tense for a moment because it's fucking near silent. You can hear the wind just blowing right through the grass, and then the shit just hits the fan for like the next hour. There was um, that, I think it was in the grass like that when the shit does start hitting the fan. And I'm thinking it looked like a tracking shot across behind. They went behind each guy and just yeah. a smooth camera. Machine. I'm like, how the fuck did they set had to be- track? Of, it, it had to be a crane. It, yeah, yeah, it's on, it's on some kind of arm. tracked up on a fucking hillside that's, you know, <laughs> slanted, but it was done. I was like, because now back in the day, I would normally never even think about something like that. But just from doing the podcasting thing, I'm like, how <laughs> the fuck did he move that camera like that? Well, you know, and, and if it would have been anybody else now, some other jackass, net Jason Bourne thing, See, the guy would have the camera on his shoulder and be running. It'd be bouncing. Blah, 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 and, and, I would, and I would have to look away because I would be motion yeah. sick. Um, there's another, uh, incredibly shot scene, uh, when they get to the top and they have, they're running through that camp. It's the same kind of thing. Um, cause that camera moves so fast without bouncing at all. It's just very smooth. Um, and it will like come in behind like some guy's legs running and then pan back out. And, um, that's a, that's a pretty great, uh, well laid out scene there. Um, and unlike Merrill's Marauders, where the Japanese are just kind of like firing machine guns, and that's about all you see. Um, you see them a lot in this. You know, they they're praying, they're they're frightened, they're hungry, they you know, and they look like you know they're not subtitled or anything like that. But you see that they're just like dudes, also. They're and dudes. The hatred's that, bro, not young guys, just like our young guys who have some powerful guys say, "Hey, go fucking kill." Yeah. Or we'll kill you, or put you in prison, or whatever. You know? And they're they're shown to be um, just as scared and helpless as the other guys in this movie who are losing their shit and crying and afraid, and uh, you know, um, which which is what I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, 
the I wrote down a couple quotes and I'll let you uh, I'll let you talk about it some the uh, there's two that stick out for me Um, Edward Train Private Train uh, he says this great evil where does it come from how did it steal the world steal into the world what seed what root did it grow from who's doing this who's killing us robbing us of life and light mocking us with the sight of what we might have known. Does our ruin benefit the earth? Does it help the grass to grow, the sun to shine? Is this darkness in you too? Have you passed through it? Have you passed through this night? And um, kind of sums up the whole human side of this. Just what's the point of it all? And, and, you know, like we were saying even earlier, maybe it is just another circle of things. But then um, Private Whip saying later on. Go ahead. War don't enable uh, ennoble men. It turns them into dogs. It poisons the soul, and that's where that's where you can look at how well, he views his view yeah. of everything. Kind of changes, and 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 he has an action later on that kind of is not really of his character. Um, kind of a a pivotal moment for him. So, well, um, I think for one thing, I was one thing uh, I was talking to one of my friends about last week. Um, which was the the you know the Reagan era uh, Wall Street greed is good thing, and mm-hmm. then this you know but uh, and I'm not a religious person but you go to the Bible and it says you know it's the root of all evil, and when you think about war, uh, it's pretty much I want your shit whether it's the <laughs> dirt you stand on or the minerals beneath your feet or I want your woman or I want whatever. It's this greed, and it, it, it people become obsessed with it. And when the people in power say, "I want this," that's the human thing, you know. Right, right. But, but again, in nature, you know, I have two fucking mutts laying here on my bed sleeping, and if one of them has a bone, the other one's trying to get it from him, you know, and trying to take this one. And you see little kids where one tries to take something from the other one, and they get in a fucking right. fight. So anyway. Um, I had some notes <laughs> in a notebook, and here they are. Um, not there's not a ton of them, uh, but um, there's uh, one thing I can I could definitely see because I'm sure this happens every time Malik makes a movie. Now he made um, Badlands, and mm-hmm. uh, I think it, one of his big big comeback. He's one of these guys that did not. He he made like a, a one or two really well uh, thought of movies that were well received and they're very artistic. And like you said, maybe a little pretentious, maybe depending on how you look at it. And then he didn't work forever, forever. And everybody's 20 years. Yeah. He did days of heaven with gear in 78. And then it was 20 years later, he makes this. Yeah. And, and then people, the reason he got, uh, such a great cast, including all these people that ended up on the cutting room floor. Uh, this this assembly is everybody wanted to work with Malik because he didn't give a shit. He was into his art. He was into photography. He had money, so he doesn't need money. I think he had money even before you know making movies and um, uh, whether it was inheritance, I can't remember reading about him, whatever. But um, so he uh, when he when it came out that he was going to make this that everybody's like fuck this is my chance i you know it may never happen again <laughs> he may make this movie and never do anything again now he has worked 
more. I think when, when he was younger, he probably thought, you know, I don't care, you know, who cares? I'm an artist. But then when you start getting older and you start seeing time slip away and you want to, uh, you know, do some things and maybe get your word out there if you can. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, you had that, um, you, he loves to shoot nature and, I'm sure uh, when they said there was probably close to six hours of of uh, movie here that they cut down, uh, a lot of it was probably uh, – there's some amazing shots in this of like uh, yeah. crocodiles or alligators. Uh, that fucking uh, – there, there, there's one shot of the, of the crocodile sliding into this uh, green – I mean this thing looks like a Slurpee. This green uh, algae or whatever sitting on top of this water and it just slides in there and it's so beautiful, you know, to see this. And then later on in the movie, you have all these soldiers and they have caught this crocodile, which is huge. They have it uh, tie its mouth tied shut and tied down, and they're like, you know, kind of poking it to get it to move. And it's kind of like that was really gross and disgusting to me. It's yeah. it it reminds me a lot of people that. Uh, that I know, and I and and I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way because I know that uh, whether it's hunting or something like that, I the thing that I find disturbing is people that take so much glee or pleasure, like it's the, the one of their great hobbies. Uh, and I know a lot of I know a lot of people like this that you know they're like I can't wait for hunting season. I can't wait for this. I can't wait for that. And I know some people that that don't show like to me if you kill an animal to eat you should show you know i, I maybe i get this from like it fucking should be for a purpose instead of a should trophy be for a or purpose just and you do. should show respect and i don't think uh taxidermying and we're probably going to lose listeners for this but i don't give a fuck <laughs> uh you know it's just my opinion but you know when i see like a lot of people that have a lot of taxidermy stuff and i knew a guy one time that killed a uh, killed a shot a deer and he was telling us about it and the deer wasn't dead and so like he had a big like rambo knife and he was with his buddy and he went over and like yep. jumped up and came down with the knife and to kill it and he was like they were laughing about it and i said that that's just bull- i hate that because that's not showing like the proper respect for you, you you're getting this and you're taking this thing's life and you're making a mockery of it. I hate that, but that's how like this stuff with it, how they were treating nature. Some of the guys, some of them weren't, but they're thrust into this thing. And and not only that, but a lot of them are draftees, so they're young guys. They're you know, no matter if you're in war, which is going to make you grow up a lot in some well, there's ways. That, there's that one guy, and I know they had to focus on his voice for a reason, but he looked like he was like 14. Yeah. Well, and there he's were like guys panicking because he knows the, he's getting ready to die. They'd get their parents and stuff to, to let him sign up, and they'd be like 16, 17 or something Ugh. like that. You're a kid. When I look at now, you know, back when I was 18 years old and, you know, your parents or whoever is trying to tell you something and you're like, do you think you know it all? But you don't. You don't have life experience. Like I said, you might be out there, and I think they they kind of touched on this in this movie, and and uh, where the guy at the ending, they're getting back on the, these transport boats to go back to the ship, and the guy says something about you know I've grown up a lot, you know not in age, and the thing is this is you've seen death, you've seen destruction, you've seen all this horror, and you've grown up 
in a certain way, in a horrific way, but having to deal with that stuff too. But no matter what, you're still a 18, 19, 20-year-old kid. You're still a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, you've had a lot of that innocence taken away for just ripped out of you. So you have that, and I like that perspective. You have a the the horror of of how far humans can go uh like when they do overcome because one thing that i think happened uh with the japanese and you see this a lot in the uh clint eastwood made two world war ii movies uh it was a flag of our fathers and i can't remember what, there's two different ones Letter, letters from iwo jima yeah he made one from the japanese perspective which was really cool i th- I, th- I think that's really awesome that he did that showing how they were because like said in a lot of these movies you only see the faceless enemy and um showing them thinking about their loved ones thinking about their little kids worrying that they're gonna die the the just the fear of 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 uh that comes up about that him doing that was really cool and um you see some of that here but also um what i was gonna say was um when they were that one big problem that they had during this battle was uh, the supply lines getting water to the guys because you're in this tropical climate where it's just humid and and they're walking and they're sweating like crazy and they don't have water. Now you might have some, if they, even if you find water, if you know you know whether you got malaria and all kind of disease and and uh, uh, organisms, parasites and stuff in the water. And um, but the Japanese are having the same thing. They're not inhuman. They're not that you know, like yeah. Rambo, where you live off the land and all this stuff. I'm sure there's <laughs> you'd have to a little bit, but you know, still, you're you're these some of these Japanese guys probably maybe came from cities or whatever too, and um, so they're out there. And when they come upon them in their camp, and the Japanese are kind of getting where they're spent. And the Americans come in and they take over. You start seeing some of the inhumanity of, of okay, you've seen your friends get killed, your best friend that you talked to or a guy that you met and, and he's telling you about his wife and kids and he's been killed. And then you come upon these these guys that are portrayed – that they're, they're trying to kill you. You're trying to kill them just because you know, you're told to. And yeah. they become the enemy. They become a demon. They become subhuman, which they also, you know, governments and stuff play that up in their propaganda. They always make the Arabs or the Muslims, the subhumans, the Hun in World War Two, you know, the Turks or the Vietnamese, you know, and the, 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 you know, whether you call them nips or, you know, krauts or whatever, and they're subhuman. They're monsters that torture and kill. So when these guys come in, you start seeing some of them like uh, being sadistic to the prisoners or beating them or shoot a guy that's unarmed. A guy takes a shotgun and just wins over shoots him. Guy walking around with ears hanging, you know, on his neck. Like where oh, the he, guy he with teeth trophies. when he fucking realizes when he realizes yeah. the fucking what he has in his hands. Yeah, because I mean that was like a Vietnam. I, I don't know if it was just Vietnam. I think it it, it also came from uh, from Europe. I don't know if it was French or if it was who it was. It was almost like taking scalps. Uh, I know it's I know it's not, and I keep going back to that fucking zombie movie. But yeah. the Russian soldiers in that were taking teeth of the Nazis when they would kill yeah. them. Yeah, it's like a like a trophy thing or something like that. And then I like that scene because the guy 
he was kind of this macho guy and then all of a sudden he looks and and it, like maybe um the the guy he was before comes back and he looks down and he's like what the fuck we well, you know what have it's i a become gruesome, gruesome trophy yeah. gruesome like i'm a, uh, have become this monster this this thing this horrible thing who would ever think about doing this and it uh, it hits him and he breaks down um there's scenes a lot of scenes like that that I really liked. Now, um I thought that um I thought that um the Nick Nolte character was the facade of like the John Wayne uh General Patton kind of a thing, the facade of of um this great he wants to be this great warrior he wants the adulation he 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 talks to his men my men you know we're a family and you're my sons and all this bullshit and um and um i'm going to get you a medal for this and all this and that and these guys are like what the fuck but but that's but but then when you hear his thoughts with the nick nolte voiceover you hear that he's a a, a uh um he has these fragile he's a fragile person uh that mm-hmm. he wants these things it's it's really almost like a weakness uh and he, there's a, there's even some like shame there's a lot of shame that he's been passed over he tries not to show it which is another it it shows that he's a weak guy that he cares about these kind of things he tries to tell Travolta that he doesn't but then in his head the voiceover is is that that's what it is and he's just so consumed by uh, appearances than that he wants to be looked on at, looked up to and all this and that um, the um, uh, Elias Coteus character was a pivotal a very big and pivotal character here where he is um, I love that I love that the, radio the, conversation that they have yeah, but he's like a thinking man. He he would be like a if you took Gregory Peck's character from To Kill a Mockingbird, the the dad, the um, the uh, the lawyer. Uh, the, he's an intelligent guy. He's he has pa- compassion. He's he's not consumed by his ego and everything. And he actually tells he tells Nick Nolte at the cost of. You know, disobeying an order or in a time of war and battle and combat, like, I mean, you could be like executed for treason or whatever. Not treason, but, you know, he could go to prison or they could, you know, they could have done whatever, you know, punish him. And, but he's like, I can't, I can't do this. This is wrong. Uh, My men are, are starving or they're, they're dying of thirst or, or, the the you know you it's almost like passive glory where they had him run straight into the machine gun fire to get to capture the ant hill and they're like no this is fucking suicide this is stupid but Nick Nolte's like you know giving him the rah rah football coach thing getting him fired up you know we gotta get up there and we gotta take this hill and we're gonna do it because I know you guys <laughs> you guys are I need a drink. You guys are my men, and I'm proud of you. And I know you can do this. And he's rallying the troops, and Elias Coteus is like, 
you know, I can't order these guys to run right into this machine gun fire. This is suicide. This is stupid. So he's like the conscience of um, of this. And the thing that, that Nolte also shows what a weak bureaucrat kind of guy. Like you said, he's the guy that is uh, that like uh, Martin Sheen or uh, um, talks about in Apocalypse Now with um, – Robert Duvall with Kilgore, he says, you, you know, this, the, this guy's never going to, he's never going to get a scratch. He's the guy that yeah. like Kilgore could stand on the beach with the mortars just going off right beside of him. Nick Nolte does the same thing. It blows up and he's just standing there. He doesn't even notice um, because he's so consumed with his bullshit. Um, he is the guy that would probably never get a scratch while he's sending these guys like cannon fodder into the meat grinder head first, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I liked, I liked the, 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 the thing between those two and a really subtle thing was when Elias Coteus goes and he, re- he's a lawyer, so he does it respectfully. You know, he res- I respectfully deny, I'm not going to do this. I can't do this. Nolte shows what a political, thing that he is because he he starts out he's really pissed but then he's like i'm gonna make sure you get a medal for this uh this wouldn't look good on either of our records uh he's not gonna prosecute court martial elias cotes i'm gonna transfer you somewhere else to a to a cushy job order because he's uh it's not because he likes what elias cotes does or he respects him or whatever it's he's still just thinking about himself. This would look bad on my record. He yeah, he doesn't want anybody to be undermining him on record. Yeah, but one little subtle thing that happens is um, he asks uh, for volunteers to go do something, and John Cusack, who is the same, if Elias Cotes is a captain, John Cusack is a captain, and as soon as he says that, Cusack goes, "I'll go do it," and there's this look between Cusack. And Coteus, where Cusack is almost, uh, he realizes that he's like the little kid sucking up to the teacher, mm-hmm. uh, and and I liked I like that because it, it's uh, I don't know if I would say I saw like shame, but it's kind of like he looks over to Elias Coteus, and when their eyes meet, he looks away because he sees that he's kind of like uh, if 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 your boss bitched you out at work, but then your best friend goes, well, I'll do it. You know, like he's trying to make points. And Nolte even tells Cusack, he goes, I really appreciate you doing this for me. And, you know, I'm going to make sure you get him out for this. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Nick Nolte was perfect for the role. I mean, he, he yeah. hit it spot on. He's not a likable character in my mind, but I'm a fucking call me Pinko. Um, and uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. I thought Wick or not Wick, Wit. I, I wrote Wit. Wick because I kind of what they were saying, but it was Wit. I thought that he was almost like a – maybe I'm – I don't know if I'm reaching here or not, but the way that he was presented and his voiceover and how he saw things, that I don't know if I would say he was like a prophet, but I thought it was almost like a Christ-like character. Like there was a – he was like a – not a sacrifice, but he said about – one thing that really – I when he talked about seeing his mother who had cancer – 
Um, and he said, I wonder what it's, it would be like to be at that point, that one point in your life where you know this is going to be my last, the next breath I take is going to be my last breath. And right. I, this is really a, a, a side note thing, but it was really weird one time. I had always heard that, you know, you'll hear, hear the, the legend that if you die in a dream that you'll, you'll die or something. And I had this dream one time, and I think it was when I was in school, that I was in like the ocean and I was sinking. And you know how like in, in the ocean it's – in a swimming pool, you know, you go down so far and you're going to hit the bottom. And then, you know, a, a river or something, you might go down a good ways, but you're going to hit the bottom. But like in parts of the ocean where it's just – there is no – the bottom is so far down that you could just sink and sink <laughs> and sink. And I dreamt that I was sinking in this black water and I thought to myself, oh my god, you know, the next breath I take, I'm going to die. And it was just this sad thought and I went <gasps> – and I woke up, so I didn't die. I don't think this, you know, maybe, maybe this is all the Matrix. But um, he had that kind of a thought. And the way that he went through everything and the way that he looked at everything, maybe it was because he's just a human that has a lot of empathy and a lot of compassion yeah. and empathy. And he's the kind of person that sees more than, I. like I said, I'm, I'm, I think everybody pretty much knows how I feel about like religion and stuff, but I was listening to something the other day where somebody was saying something about, well, I'm a spiritual person and, and this guy who's an atheist or whatever. So, well, what the fuck does that mean? You know, you're a spiritual person, <laughs> but I think that that's how wit kind of was. And, and it, it kind of, this movie watching how he was and how he looked at things, I could see, I don't think it was a religious thing. But maybe that's just a different definition of what you know is happening here. But I thought he was kind of a more of like a spiritual person. He's all the you know nature and he's everything that's going on, and he was seeing all this stuff going on. But he was there was he thought there was like more to it. I don't know, but I just felt that that he was kind of like a. Not a prophet, but just somebody who was above it all. He was like the witness that was above everything that was kind of looking and seeing everything. He, when he yeah, he got – go ahead. Where, where we see – you know, we have that omnipotent view. Right. He is the – he is us there right. in that he is observing everything that a person actually in the event possibly can. Even so, each person that he comes upon – he comes upon Thomas Jane, which fucking I forgot. I'm sitting there and I'm like, <laughs> he just sees this guy sitting there, and I guess he knew the guy, and the guy's like, "Hey, Wit, what's going on?" And he had been wounded, and he's sitting there, you know, waiting for somebody to come up and help him. And this is after the Japanese had pretty much been in that area had been wiped up, so it wasn't like there was a threat. And Wit just sits down and starts talking to him, and there's this, um, he's talking to to a person and and even though there isn't a lot of conversation like you know my brother did this or i got a you know wife at home and a kid or they just have this little conversation but it's like wit is appreciating everything that he sees whether it's a bird or a leaf he pours the water on this leaf just and just sees it and it's like he's he's amongst all this stuff and he wherever there where 
a lot, most of the other guys are taking every all this stuff for granted. Yeah, he's like uh, I don't know, I don't know how to put it. it. Kind of, it makes me wonder if um, if if Malik at least has practiced Buddhism before. It's a, yeah. it's that kind of detached view of not detached in a negative connotation, but. Uh, a view of everything being related in some way and just watching the passing of life and and that sort of thing just being an observer and experiencing the 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 moment for what it is not not as being a necessarily like terrible or great thing just it is what it is yeah and and you see you, you find that yourself sometime if you you know just take a step back i mean on in your everyday activity you know i got to get up and go to work so you know you have that routine and you're not even thinking uh and then every once in a blue moon if you're you know i I don't know if everybody does this i guess if you're a sociopath you probably don't but you think to yourself you know uh not all this is i'm i'm not going to be here forever like my family that i might take for granted it's not going to be here forever just even driving down the road sometimes you're like you're so in a hurry to get to where you want to go that you forget to look and you know that the the leaves on the trees are changing or this person that's walking by you you know or this person that you met and shook their hand or you forgot about or whatever that you know it's just a a thing that i really like how they 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 put that character in there of of wit now did you see the original Thin Red Line? No, I, I, I no, I didn't. I've never seen it. Okay, well, the, one of the reasons I watched. Okay, I saw this one first, and then I had heard that there was it was a remake of a of another movie, um, mm-hmm. which was based on uh, I think Guadalcanal Diaries and uh, the James. Um, oh, what's this? James Jones, you know, novel. And um, one of the reasons I wanted to watch it was I saw 2001 Space Odyssey and Keir Dulay was um, the star pretty much of the movie once you get on the, uh, on the, uh, the spaceship. Uh, and I kind of thought, you know, I'd like to see him. I don't remember him being in other stuff or, or, or a lot of the other stuff that he was in wasn't really available before VHS, before you had access to some of these other movies. So I was like, oh, I'd like to see. He was in this. And I I guess he kind of – the thing is they're two totally different movies. Like you have a Colonel Tall and you have uh, Sergeant Welsh and uh, it's Private Doll, which I guess that would be – I think that would be Wit. But – if you watch these two movies, that that's about all. The, uh, other no, there's than a, there's they a take... private, there's a private doll in this. Okay, so is that he's the uh, one that kind of he's the kind of he's the guy that at the top of the hill like freaks out and jumps over the rocks and with the pistol. With the pistol, okay, yeah, he steals the pistol. That was doll. That guy's been in a ton of shit. Uh, he's yeah. the guy that was one of the bad guys in uh, uh, Blue, whatever, with Kirk Douglas. Or Kirk Douglas, Kurt Russell, uh, the cop movie, the bad cop movie. But anyway, um, see that's what I'm saying. It, the, the the I don't maybe the, I don't think there was a wit character. I think that Malik added that character. I don't know if it was in the novel or not. But in this movie, th- this is a it's a different movie. This is a straight. It's it still has a lot of anti-war stuff in it. 
but it's shot more as a straightforward movie where Malik shoots this artistic uh, can. Yeah, here you go. Yeah. Private Doll is. It, I, I, you can click on the names of the characters, and and Wit is only in this movie, and Doll is in both. But um, Welsh is Welsh a, is only in this one too. He is. I thought that was a uh, Sean Penn. That's not Sean Penn. It it is. He's all, yeah. The Welsh character is only in in this version also. But he no, he's in. It's Jack Warden in the in the new in the old one. I know. When I when I click on well, I, I, maybe they just named it differently. When I when you click on Sergeant Welsh, it only shows the first. It only yeah. shows the ninety eight movie. So well, he's in. Uh, he's a little different. He's he's uh, he's a uh, Jack Warden in the old one. But the thing is, in the old one, he's a fucking bastard, man. He is a <laughs> bastard. He's meaner and shit. He's the hard ass sergeant. Whereas in uh, the Malik one, Penn is more like I said. I find him to be more like the Burt Lancaster uh, sergeant, Lancaster. where he's kind of uh, he's hard and he's a tough guy, but he's not a total bastard, especially to Wit or to anybody else. Um, who was the the one? Was it him that when they came up and said, "I'm going to give you a medal." And he said, if you put me in for that medal, I'll knock your gut. He, he's telling this to a superior officer. He said, if you, if, if you don't shut up, I'm going to knock your fucking block off right now. And Who if you said put me that? in for this medal, I will fucking – I will refuse it. Yeah. I forgot who's – It was it, – Oh, it was – Welsh said that to Cateus. Okay, yeah. And that was – Because it was after Penn ran out, ran out to take care of that guy that was screaming in the field. yeah. And it was, uh, and and then there was a. Uh, this is the last thing I'm going to mention because I mean we could go on and on. There's so much. There's so much stuff in this movie. There's so many uh, actors in this movie, and there's there's so many really great moments and the way it's shot and everything. But um, Woody Harrelson has uh, and uh, John Savage. I swear to God, I think that every time somebody at this point in time, this is toward the end. You know, I shouldn't say toward the end of his career because he's still relatively young, but he had done a lot before this. When they said, we need somebody that just loses their shit and that, that just has like a nervous breakdown. John Savage right. in The Fucking Deer Hunter. John Savage in this fucking movie where he's just like, <laughs> he just loses his shit and he has this way of... Uh, like Kurt sticking his bottom teeth out, and uh, you know, and there's like something you're like, God, there's something wrong with him. Woody Harrelson has a a, a moment in this, and um, with the grenade, uh, and yeah. anybody that's seen it, you know, and you just think, oh my God, because I was watching a clip, a YouTube clip the other day of a guy, and he was a, a world like I think he was a sheriff or something, a world, but he was really good at marksmanship with a pistol and he's on the shooting range and he's drawing the pistol and shooting it and hitting these targets and it's like really good <clears throat> and he accidentally shoots himself in the fucking leg so that's like a Woody Harrelson moment and you could see you could see something like that happening where the adrenaline's flowing you're terrified and you just do something so stupid but it happens and it could happen to anybody and his reaction just was so fucking heartbreaking because he was just like, I can't believe it. 
But it's, you know, it was just a horrible thing. That one really struck me. And one thing that happened right there with Woody Harrelson before any of that happened was when they were told, you got to go up this hill and do this. And this one guy sitting there, this big guy, and he starts like retching, like he's like going to vomit. And the thing is, like, everybody's probably going to vomit. You know, everybody's scared to death. <laughs> but this guy's like, oh, I got cramps. I can't do it. And the one guy tells him, he goes, you get the fuck up there. I'm going to kick your goddamn guts out or whatever. And was it Woody? I think it was Woody Harrelson or maybe it was Sean Penn. Uh, Harrelson was yelling at him. And yeah. then Sean Penn is the one. That, yeah. And Sean Penn says, you know, go back down the hill or whatever. Um, that was a odd moment because you would think as a some like the non-commissioned officer who's trying to get everybody to do it that if you did that with one guy that everybody would do the same thing but <laughs> i guess i don't know i don't it, it showed some compassion uh well that that and him running out into the field too yeah i i guess that you know he kind of had and i thought that Sean Penn started out at first as this kind of a cynical guy but a realist where he's telling yeah, Wit, he's, you know and and you know the, the, there's only like you said a man alone in this world is nothing but and there's only this world and wit i love the line i never forget it when when you think that he's this fuck off that he's this guy that sh- is trying to shirk his responsibilities that's trying to you know uh, doesn't want to he's a coward or whatever but it reminds me of the Montgomery Cliff character because in From Here to Eternity, Montgomery Cliff was like one of the best soldiers in the unit. And that's what Witt tells him. He's going on about, you know, realism and much like Lancaster saying, you know, you can't fight the system, just go along with the system. Penn's telling Witt the same thing, and Witt's like, I'm twice the man you are. I can do anything, I can take any punishment you dish out. There's nothing you can do. And I think that that also sets him off. If it was a guy that was a fuck off, that was a lazy bum or whatever, then you could, but he was something else. It wasn't that he was a coward because there's a couple of times in this, in this movie where he's fighting, uh, he's going up to help guys at the risk of his own life. And he's not stupid. And I think that Penn and him kind of have, they kind of bond. And I think Penn, much like Lancaster looked up to Pruitt because Lancaster kind of had sold out to his boss. He, he, I don't know if he'll say he was, he, he knew he was better than his boss. He knew that he was right. tougher than his boss. He was more of a man than his boss, but he had to suck up and lick the boss's boots to, <laughs> to kind of go along, to get along, to make things easier. And Pruitt wouldn't do that. Wit wouldn't do that. And so they see in them, you know, they won't sell out. Uh, and I kind of have myself. And toward the end of the movie, Penn's character is getting drunk and he shows more like, you know, you know, this, uh, he's, he's, he almost admits that he's not what, you know, he's not, uh, a, 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 you know, I'm going to give you this medal. I don't want this fucking medal. You know, get the fuck away from me, and it's just there's there's so much depth there, you know, with all this stuff. So anyway, but yeah. I mean, you know, we're going on and on. You could talk about this one for a while, which is to me means that it's really something special. 
Yeah, I mean, they've taken, you know, this is a few a few days out of that could just be a generic war movie yeah. and made this this philosophical exploration of just everything in general about, you know, life or whatever with the context and being in the war context, which is, I think is pretty incredible. And they touch um, grass. And they do, they do touch grass. They have to. They're crawling through it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the, 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 um, uh, putting yourself in that position of uh, – and I've said this a million times to my friends or whoever. You know, you might think that the guy standing beside you is a guy who lifts weights and is the big football hero and goes out and gets in fights in bars. And he's – oh, you, you think, oh, he's macho man or whatever. And you put him in this position and he might piss his pants and run the other way. And the guy that's the fucking – guy that's the weak guy or whatever might be the guy that that fucking steps up and and does something really heroic to save his friends or whatever you never know it's it's just such a a horrible thing for anybody to be in i'm i'm glad that i never have had to i hope that uh when we fight the new world order uh you know because it's coming man it's coming we're gonna go live out in a ranch in wyoming no, we're gonna Start live hoarding in Will's, weapons. Uh, we're gonna live in Will's. Uh, oh, we're gonna live in Will's attic. Sorry, in Will's attic. Will, we're coming. Frank, loaf and <laughs> Zom Frank. Uh, we can rate this. Um, this, I'm gonna say nine point two five. Um, yeah, this is one that the rate. I'm like, should I go all the way or you know? Uh, I guess it's not quite a ten because. Uh, I don't know why. What did you think of the length? The length, the uh, the length. It's it is long. The but I don't I don't know what could have been trimmed. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know I, I I said nine when I first watched it yesterday. I bumped it up just by talking about it. I I don't know that it's a perfect movie. So I I don't want to say ten. That's got um, Travolta and, and that's a- <laughs> yeah. It's got Travolta. And he looked like shit. maybe maybe some of the and this is going to sound weird with a war movie, but maybe some of the battle stuff could have been trimmed a little more, <laughs> you know, and still gotten the same idea across. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but it, I mean that's my gut feeling. Uh, I, I say nine point two. I mean this is this is a pretty incredible movie. I think I'll agree with you, and the reason that I won't go like you know any further than that is. There are some, like I said, I, I hate to, just like, like with Travolta, um, there are a lot of faces like with him that are thrown in there, and I didn't think that he was really that great. Um, and I think that there's so much there that I, I started to feel, when I watched it today, um, I thought it was a little long, but like you said, okay. there. What what do you trim? Because the Malik shoots things that there's nothing in there that isn't saying something, or that you can't look at that and and say, okay, well, you know, here this, there's a reason it's all there's there. a reason it's there, and a lot of times it's subtle, which is really thought provoking, so it's cool. Um, yeah. But I really like it. I, I, there's a, that comparison, like you said, because uh, it came out at the same time as Saving Private Ryan, and people went and saw Saving Private Ryan, which is 
the the Normandy invasion thing is so harsh and so realistic. And I remember that being seared into people's minds like this is the first time we've seen the the horror of war with all the the brutality and all the the the, the just the mutilation and maiming and all the snap and then after that it's kind of a standard not standard because i think it's a good movie but um you know gis and you know you got tex from texas and brooklyn from whatever and they're going along and they're talking about ted williams and this and that and so it kind of gets into that uh normal World War II war movie with the heroics and this and that sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one is something else. And a lot of people rejected this one because they said, oh, I remember my friend. It's not Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, it's bullshit. So fucking artsy fartsy. What the fuck was this? I don't even know. It wasn't even, it's not even, you know. And, um, but this one has stuck with me because I just, I, I, I just think it's uh, it's something else. It's sure it takes place in World War II and it's about these guys and it's a true story and this and that. But this is like a a, a fucking uh, Picasso or whatever. Whereas Saving Private Ryan is like the Dutch masters, you know, standard, you know, this. And that. <laughs> it, it's it's a it's something else. There's it's 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 so much deeper and there's so much, I don't know. I think this is a fucking masterpiece, but I still, you know, it's, it's, there's some flaws in there, I guess, but I like it. It could be a little, could be shorter. Right. Haven't seen it in a long time too. And I, and I'm glad that I watched it. This is, this is only the second time I'd ever watched it. I own it now. I bought it on iTunes. Uh, Only the second time I've ever watched it. The first being in the theater I was in college. So, and this is definitely the easiest movie that I have ever found uh, when we had to watch a movie because it's it was right on this <laughs> rack right by my basement door. And I was like, I wonder where that movie is. And as soon as I walked in the door from work, I was like, hey, there's fucking Thin Red Line. The v- it was VHS. So I got good top quality VHS experience. Oh, you need this on blue. Well, I know, but you know, what are you going to do? All right, let's take a break and come back and do some, some sacking, some feed sacking, if you will. We'll be right back. Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and Trick or Treat Radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This podcast is now banned in Germany. <laughs> it's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Lohan. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action, it had suspense, it had great characters, it had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey shorts. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? <laughs> the okay. box, right? The box and the monkey. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. 
All right, feed sack. Feed sack. Nay. All right. Um, do you want me to start with feed sack, or do you want to cover the questions first this week? Well, let's get these questions done, because we have okay. people that listen to our show. Uh, this is from Andrew. What's your favorite weapon in a movie? Ooh. My favorite movie weapon is... The minigun. Oh, like because, Jesse Ventura and Predator? Like Jesse Ventura and Predator or like uh, uh, Mama in... Yeah. Had the three. They're pretty fucking... That's, they... they uh, yeah. I like like when the shells like go falling. Didn't they do it in one of the Terminator movies? The one with Bale? Didn't they have a minigun in that one too? Wars out. This fucking... Yeah. Pouring out. Um, I like it. I was going to say... Uh, from the movie uh, Cuba with Sean Connery. Um, he's a mercenary that gets hired to go down to uh, help um, the regime try and fight off Castro's uh, commies. And um, they ask him, you know, what weapon do you want? I can get you anything. And uh, he says, uh, you know, that the, the, uh, the greatest weapon, the greatest weapon is the mind. But I won't chicken out because, I mean, that's the truth. I mean, you know, whatever you can put your you – know, It takes whatever. a mind to invent a minigun. There you go. Um, but I would say probably Conan, uh, Conan the Barbarian's sword. I don't know yeah. why, but I like that sword, and I like that he cut hacked fuckers to death with it. Um, <laughs> what is the worst job you have ever held? This comes from Corey. Uh, Bed Bath & Beyond. Was the worst. It only paid, and this was a few years ago. Um, it only paid like nine something an hour, and I would hurt so bad after leaving there. And like you have to, like, it was awful. Like, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that too. But like, I I got black toenails from working there, from having to crawl up these ladders and balance oh. on top to like top stock shit. And it was not a safe job, which sounds weird for a fucking place that sells towels and pots, but. It wasn't safe. It was safe while the store was open, but when you when you have to stock the store, you have to literally like stand on top of ladders, not holding onto anything, and lift boxes that are about forty pounds or more over your head to stock them. It's it's it was it was not fun. That was the worst job. I would say that uh, the first job I had out of college, I I took the first job I could get, which was an insurance job, and we would have to go to. First of all, um, if you didn't make your quota. Friday afternoon uh, and Friday night, you would have to call people straight out of the phone book, just cold call, and try and get them uh, to make an appointment to come out and review their insurance till like 9 o'clock at night and then Saturday get up and do it Saturday morning till like noon. Then just go to these people's fucking houses 
in the middle of nowhere, sometimes in the middle of the night, uh, just pop in these people's businesses. It was a lot like Glengarry Glen Ross. If you watch that movie, the, the, the boss, everything. And it was horrible. I had a guy pull up, uh, my friend and I, uh, went to an appointment at these people's house and this guy like, uh, pulled a pistol out and started cleaning it and set it on the table and shit. And like was, wanted us to leave. It was weird. Um, Let's see. This is from a guy named Ian who likes to touch grass. Uh, why do you think an American re- why why do you think that an American wrestler never had a series of films based on their in-ring character like many Mexican luchadors? He's really hung up on that luchador shit. Um, okay, why why do you think that? Um. Well, it's the the wrestling business is has been a lot different here. Than other places, I assume that has something to do with it because before the '80s, wrestling did not want anything to do with they 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 wanted those characters to stay as such. They didn't want anybody to think that these guys were anything but what they portrayed in the ring. And right. then in the '80s, it went a completely different direction. And I mean, you know, when when you have, I mean, I guess you know these guys tried, but. By the by, the eighties, it was just different, and uh, a horror movie starring Hulk Hogan as Hulk Hogan wouldn't have worked by then. Yeah. What uh, American wrestler do you wish had a series of movies like Santo or Blue Demon? Hmm. I go back to old <laughs> school. I would like to see Fred uh, Freddie Blassie because I think he'd be funny. He was like on D- the Dick Van Dyke show one time, which was pretty funny. I'd like uh, I'd like uh, Bruiser Brody. Yeah, that would be funny. <laughs> With Conan Bl- Sword. <laughs> I think Blassie would be funny just because, uh, like, if you watch um, My Breakfast with Blassie with Andy Kaufman, he he's such an abrasive asshole when he's in character and shit that I think it, it would, he would he could do like a, a fucking sitcom easily. But you know, a series of movies with him coming out the fashion plate. He'd always have different sequined outfits. And he likes to tan, and I've seen pictures of him tanning, uh, and, and he kind of have flabby boobs because he was old. Um, Paul would like to know, why am I bearded? Well, if it's if you're anything like me, it's because you just fucking hate shaving. Yeah, maybe. I just shave and, because and, I start itching so bad. But I will, I'm, I'm assuming that he means facial hair, because um, sometimes... If a gay guy has a girlfriend, <laughs> they can call that a beard. So maybe so is he's... maybe Paul needs to get out of the closet. Not that that's a bad thing. I don't care. Um, let's see. Alan, Not that there's anything wrong with that? Yeah, Alan would like to know why do I get jobs? Why do I get inter- job interviews for jobs I'm not qualified for or overqualified, but not the ones that actually fit uh, me per- uh, perfect? Hmm. I'm eating sunflower seeds on good time time. Well, see, Sean Penn once said in a movie, in this world, a man himself is nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. I would say <laughs> that it's probably because he wants to know why he doesn't get job interviews uh, for jobs that actually fit him perfectly. Um, there's not a lot of jobs out there for porn stars with small penises. <laughs> it could be that. I don't know. I'm just guessing. 
Sorry, buddy. I like Alan. He's a good guy. That was a joke, Alan. Um, let's see. This is from Justin, the cinemasochist. Hey, Justin. Me. Hey, uh, Justin. Would you drive over an hour into another state solely to get Ghostbuster donuts? Or am I crazy because I do? I. That's a long way, Justin. This better be some Fucking, goddamn good if, donuts. If if that if Rise the donut place here wasn't on my way to work, I'd probably I'd never fucking go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No donut I, uh, is worth driving driving an hour for. I'm sorry. If there was some pussy an hour away, and a donut place was happened to be nearby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is this from Maurice, who was the man from Down Under. Um, Modest. Why do fools fall in love? And of course, he asked us that. Because he fucking wanted it. And when you want to know, <laughs> I will say this. Sometimes. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. I can be just a fucking. I, I, you know, a fool was right. Because to me. All love is is a um, it's a, a a chemical. First of all, it's a chemical reaction at first. Then it becomes a habit, and then once they fucking go away, you are like a um, an addict who is what you call it detoxing, and it's yeah. awful. So when you break it down like that, and you realize that love is nothing. Then you know you're you're not a fool anymore, so you don't fall in love. Yay! You know what I'm saying? Do you have anything to add on that? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And he also asks. He asks a second question. It's an. Uh, God damn it! Don't now you're getting eat, now you're getting greedy there, man. Don't eat sunflowers. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. If your neighbors continually play the same two damn CDs over and over again, loud enough for the whole street to hear, best of Bob Marley and the best of the police, what size Ugh. baseball bat should I take around to, to break their player with? Go You're a baseball with, guy and you hate reggae. Go with a kid's sized aluminum bat because you can. it will be plenty big to break any CD player. It is nice and lightweight. You can use it with one hand, and it's short, so that if you have to swing in a tight in tight quarters, like with walls or anything nearby, you'll still be at good velocity. And if you if the people run their mouth too much, you can stick it up their butthole. That'll show them. <laughs> yeah, take away their humanity and their manhood. Alan asks humble, another humble question. those assholes. Alan yeah. too. Jesus Christ. Why does a question mark have the shape it has? I was going to look that up, and I forgot. So I, if I had to guess, a period is the point when a sentence ends. An exclamation point has a straight, direct path right to that point, and a question mark has to follow a path around. And it's like, ask, it's like you know, trying to find an answer. That, that would be my guess. Lynn Truss attributes an earlier form of the modern question mark in Western language. I would say this. Um, I don't know. 
Question mark. Uh, I don't care. Spark. Uh, I think it's shaped like a uh, a chick with big boobs. So there you go. There you go. That just took a poop. Russ Myers probably had something to do with it. David uh, would like to know: Have you ever been in a fist fight? If so, who won? I've only ever been in one fist fight, and it was not fist to the face. It was with a guy named Mark Shanks, and <laughs> uh, it was at Boy Scout camp, and I don't even remember what it was over. We were friends for years before and after it. It was just one of those stupid things, and we punched each other in the body a few times, and nobody really won, so that was it. I have been in fist fights, and it's not as bad as you think it would be. As long as the person has small hands <laughs> or a girl, you know, because it doesn't hurt your butthole as much. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Big hands, I know what you, you're better, saying. you better work at it, you know, and build up to it. There's things that you can use to stretch and, um, you know, prepare. Uh, let's see. Sly. Um, would Ooh. like to know where's the best place you've jerked off? The best place. Best. Um, I don't know if it was the best, but it had it. It had a, a purpose other than just finishing. Uh, I jerked off. I left. I left a, a, an exam and went to the bathroom in the middle of an exam and jerked off. Really? <laughs> I was stressed and like I was like I it was a it was like an essay based exam too and I was just stressed and I wasn't writing and I was just I just I just left and I was like, "Huh." Eh. And I did it and I came back and I was very relaxed and finished the exam. Well, I will say this. This is like a needle in a haystack. Because and a haste a haystack the size of Jupiter. Because <laughs> <laughs> You know, my you know, there's there's been many times um yeah. Uh, I would say the uh, the only reason that I can come up with this, this, and I don't know if it was the best, but I just happened to find a video clip that I had shot uh, when Jake and I were in Columbus and we went to a hockey game. And, I'm really curious where this is going. <laughs> well, he had his own room and I had my own room. But on, okay. the, video, on the video clip, I mentioned that I, I was shooting the room and saying, okay, well, there's the TV. Here's a place ac- across the outside the window with a sign and over the snat and Jake's sitting on the bed and we're talking. And I said, and I panned over to my bed and I said, there's the bed, uh, where I jerked off last night watching a Cagney Lynn Carter cuck hold video, which is where the white girl <laughs> has the puss white husband and he makes her or she makes him watch while she has sex with uh, this African American guy, and it was pretty okay. hot. Now I don't know if that was the best, but that's what comes to mind just because I just seen that video. <laughs> there's been so many times I'm usually really good to myself. Um, there's sometimes where it's not as you know great, but I would say the best place that I've ever jerked off is into my hand. Um, <laughs> Sly also asks, which of my movies? And this is Sly Stallone, by the way. A good friend of the show. Which of my movies have you jerked <laughs> off to while watching? Uh, and he said that he th- figured it was probably The Specialist 
which is one of the most erotic <laughs> action movies of all time, and that Expendables three would also be on his list if you watched, uh, if I watched it, because Ronda Rousey is in it and she has powerful thighs. Now, the I found the <laughs> sex scene in The Specialist with Sharon Stone to be one of the worst, least erotic <laughs> sex scenes I've ever seen in my life. Stallone was trying to be artistic, and he and he shot them like they were statues, and they weren't moving, and it was awful. If I had to jerk off, the closest I've ever come to jerking off to a Sly Stallone movie <laughs> is to the movie called This Is Not Rocky, and it's a par- porn parody of Rocky, but I will say this. I w- it would probably <laughs> probably be Rocky because when I see Adrian and I think it was in two – it wasn't when she was still wearing the horn rim glasses and looking really shitty. She They were rich and there's one scene where she has a long kind of silky dress on maybe and she looks like she doesn't have a bra on and she looks like she has pretty big boobs. But it wouldn't. I would be thinking about Clubber Lang having sex with Adrian while in a cuckold movie while Rocky sits in the corner crying. I'll either say Rhinestone to Dolly Parton's tits or <laughs> Rocky Two when he's. Uh, I mean, no, no, Rambo Two when he's strapped to the bed and getting shocked. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Rocky Two with a uh, with a. Uh, Carl Weathers and ding ding yeah ding (laughs) ding baby wow wow okay Mark would like to know when watching any given Jess Franco film do you first reach for the (laughs) Tylenol or your penis um have to help me on that because I'm not a big Jess Franco I I'll have to I'd have to think about what I've even seen that he's done he no isn't he like time. a giallo, crappy giallo? Uh, he's he no, he doesn't. Well, he kind of does horror movies, but yeah, don't don't horror. you're not gonna you're not gonna enjoy. Um, I would jerk off, or I'd, I'd grab Tylenol probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, you and I both first would reach for the remote. Um, <laughs> he does have he does have titties and stuff, so. Um, I'd say cock over Tylenol, remote before anything else. Okay. Now, I will probably then agree with you because, you know, I don't even There's, know what the He definitely does nudity a lot in his movies, but they're, uh, they're, 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 they can be uh, hard to get into. I'll just say that. David would like to know, have we ever tried Ethiopian food? I have seen pictures of people from Ethiopia, and the portions don't look like they would be enough for me. So I would say I have not. I Boo! Have I don't know anything about Ethiopian food. Have you? Um, I've only ever been around one Ethiopian restaurant, and I never ate there. But the food has always interested me. The only the only thing that kind of weirds me out about it is that you eat a lot of the time with your hands. Yeah. Um, I would but, try it. I'll try try a different food. I don't you know. I'm not a lot of spicy to it. stuff. Um, but yeah, it looks good. I've just never. There's only ever one place here, and I think it closed. So, yeah. Do you? Okay, this is from Martin. Do you eat while you bathe, gummo style? I do eat if I'm eating something that can be carried, not like a bowl, but like a a, a like a granola bar or something. I will piss while eating, 
But I don't even I don't I only shower. I do not bathe. I hate taking a bath if I can help it, unless I'm sick, like injured in some way. Yeah. I, I don't like taking a bath because I'm like Kramer. No, I'm like Seinfeld, not Kramer, and that I feel like I'm stewing in my own filth. <laughs> a tepid pool of your own filth. Yes. Uh, I am commonly known to enjoy a soak. I am like more like Kramer, uh, but I like to read. <laughs> I mostly um. These days, read comic books, BPRD, uh, Bureau, uh, Bureau of Paranormal Research and what, Development, um, which is great. I encourage everybody I need to, to start get, reading that. get on the bandwagon of the Hell on Earth BPRD. It's been going on for a while. It is so good. It will make your dick hard. It will make you <laughs> uh, never want to read Marvel or DC again. Um, Abe Sapien is really good, too. But as far as eating... I have uh, had uh, a hot cup of uh, cappuccino sitting on the toilet seat while and, and sipping it, but <laughs> usually I don't eat. I think there have been a couple of times where I have, when I was in a hurry or when I was just being stupid, but I really don't like it. It's like sex in water. I don't mind sex in the shower, uh, but like – I don't even like that. Growing up, you know, you'd always think about, oh, you know, having sex in a swimming pool or something like that. I don't like that. I don't like anything. I just like to soak and read my comic books. Fuck gummo. <laughs> but I would fuck Linda Mance in uh, a bathtub because she would probably be dirty um, and need a good wash, especially after I got through with her. Uh, this is from Chris. Uh, what is your favorite type of pie to sit on? Now, see – Chris, this is a this is a thing that that people are getting confused. I don't want to sit on a pie. That's what women that's what women are for. And I don't want them to sit on the pie. Okay, here's the deal. I'm a man. I don't want like a pie on my butt or anything like that. Uh, you know, I'm not in the anal. I'm not in like the, the that kind of thing. Here's my thing. The girl is on her hands and knees in front of me. I t- I've said this before, but I want to clear this up. I smash the pie into their ass. Okay. Then you do your sister whatever. is going to listen to this show. Well, whatever you do, whatever you want you, whatever you do. But when they s- start to either protest and, or like moan, you take another pie and you smash it in their face from from behind. You reach around, <laughs> smash it in their face. But the main thing is smashing it into their butt, like smash the pie. And it's not on the butt cheeks. It's into the butt, into the crack. So it's in there, and it's usually a Dutch apple pie or coconut <laughs> Banana cream. cream. Banana cream is very good. I don't like pumpkin pie because it looks too much like baby poop. I don't want any, I don't want chocolate. I don't want anything that looks like poop. It's not about poop. It's not about me drinking, uh, the butthole as far as like poop goes or anything like that. I don't want them to sit on it. I don't I don't get off on that. I don't think that's even exciting at all. Just smashing the pie into their butt and then reaching around when when they're like trying to say something and like it's like getting water up your nose right smashing it right in their fucking face. What do you think about that? I'm I eat pie and get fat, and that's it. <laughs> pie go. stays away from butts for me. Okay, Unless I've digested it and it's coming out of butt. But I encourage. See, that's like that magazine. Well, I can't remember what it was called. 
it was kind of there, but it wasn't. No, it wasn't like my thing. I, I, it's not like just rubbing the goopy pie all over their boobs or whatever. It's the pie in the ass and the pie. The pie in the fa- and usually I would be wearing a rubber mask, whether it was my Hitler rubber mask, which I hope is here today out in the thing, my gorilla mask or my old man mask. I think it's fun to have fun uh, for me. <laughs> this is from Jeff. A a cute drunk girl wearing only panties and a belly shirt was wandering around the entrance to my workplace at 3 a.m. this morning. Not joking. Should I have asked her out? And if so, what movie should we have watched together? Dude, stay away from that. (laughs) Because she probably has a boyfriend now that would be in your situation if you ended up dating. And you're like... What the fuck? Why are you out in your underwear again, you drunk whore? <laughs> okay. At 3 a.m. in the morning, and I'm yeah, assuming stay away. she's standing outside. My God, somebody might That's have raped her. sounds like. You know, so I, I'd have fucked her. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't ask her out. But, I mean, if, like, she was drunk or something like that, I don't know. You got you, you to gotta know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Um, you should watch, if you do, you should watch... Um, Let's see. Something with Christian Slater in it. Heathers. Yeah. Heathers or Pump Up the Volume. Um, Let's see. And, of course, Justin has to fucking chime in. This is a question. Damn it. Justin. Are you double people? Um, And that's it because the rest of it is just Justin uh, chiming in um, about Jeff's question. And he said that it wasn't a cute girl. It was him. Playing dress up, so oh. I guess we'd have to ask um, Jeff if he still would want to ask Justin, you know, if they wanted to fuck or whatever. Now, just this I felt like really- somebody asked something about. Uh, didn't somebody ask something about uh, um, Hitchcock movies? Did I see that earlier? Maybe that like, like disappeared. Maybe maybe they maybe it got maybe they got banned for. Um, like because we were farting or something. Um, just really <laughs> quickly, I want to go over just a quick one, and then we're going to do our. Did we have a lot of feed sack or? No. This is just quick because today is fun week on silver and gold. Um, we you know, yeah. We, have- <laughs> we, we talked about the World War Two and guys dying and yeah. Well, it's fun week, um, and we like to have fun, so we wanted to ask people uh, what they like to do for fun, and um, God damn it. Wait a minute. Sunflower seeds. Um, <laughs> Andrew says, apart from the obvious stuff like movies, uh, comics, and spending time with the missus and metal, he likes a good espresso, walking around cities, and finding cool little shops and bars. And he says that he knows that he is a dork. Now, I don't know about that. That sounds like a good time to me, Andrew. Well, don't shit. don't self down. Emily says she likes listening to Silva and Gold and talking about Oz, uh, specifically Adebisi. She said that she um, likes cuckold movies or fantasies about Adebisi. I added that. Thanks, Emily. Who uh, recently – congratulations, Emily, on uh, your um, – Yeah. Uh, we forgot about that. Um, Hank said that he likes to step in front of cars and then sue the drivers. Good, good job, <laughs> Hank. He's like uh, Eric Roberts, the king of the gypsies. Will, now this is this should be good. I haven't read any of these. Will from Canada. You keep that in mind. He's from Canada. 
says gosh. He likes watching sports, cooking, finding deep cuts musically. Oh, I thought I was going to say finding deep cuts. What? And savoring their discovery. <laughs> he likes fishing, camping, reading, being outside in the sun with his family, a good coffee, a good tea, and going for a drive in the country. Jesus, Will. <laughs> he makes me feel bad about my life. He's Canadian. Mike. Like everything. Now, this is Mike uh, of um, uh, uh, Pensacon fame. He's like a celebrity now. I watched, nice. actually watched him on TV on YouTube uh, talking about uh, uh, the new venue for Pensacon next year, which will, should be awesome. Got a lot of awesome wrestlers and, and uh, sci-fi and horror people and movie people <clears throat> are going to be there. Uh, he likes playing pinball. Uh, on the Wii, is that Wii? W I I U? Yeah. See, I don't know this. Is, I, I know it. It must be Zen Pinball. I have it on my iPad. Oh. It is fun. I have He's, I have a Star Wars pinball board on my, a couple of them on my iPad. The only thing I know about pinball is I played it at uh, Domicles at his house with uh, Ken, and it was fun. Nice. Let's see. This guy named uh, Brian. Was it Higgins? Something like that? Uh, from the Hammerkush podcast. Hammerkush. He said he likes to cook for people and play board games. Smile and laugh at comedy clubs. He likes cinema, too. This is like a dating thing. Honestly, God, it sounds like you know we're, uh, we're going to find uh, some of these guys a date, whether they want to or not. And it's going to be Justin in panties hanging out in front of their house at 3 a.m. Steve says he likes reading, watching TV or films, baking for the family and friends. Uh, seeing someone enjoy what you've made is the best feeling in the world. And he likes hanging out with his friends and family and all that stuff. I wonder um, how Steve feels about edible um, – what do they call it? Edibles? The the green? Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Or any of that stuff. Because I've heard some people have bad experiences with that because they'll have like a cookie or a brownie or a piece of candy, and they'll just think it's like a regular brownie or a cookie or That's a piece of much. candy. They eat the whole thing and then they fucking get really neurotic and feel like yeah, yeah. You just I, eat I, like I'm a not. Bite. I'm not a fan. Yeah, you, know, you just don't 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 eat as much. Don't eat a whole brownie if you've never done. I, I don't like it. It's a different. It's a different. Uh, it's a different feeling. Do you plan on taking any trips to Amsterdam? That would be fun, but no, I've, there's nothing planned. You think? I mean, now what about hash? Is that is that like a lot more potent? See, I don't know anything. I don't about know. Anything. I've never I've never had it. I don't know. I've heard some people that that uh, have done that smoke regularly and then have went there and like had hash, and they said, "Oh my god, it was like so much stronger" or something. I don't know. Whatever. I just but need I'm something sure weak. I'm, I'm a lightweight. I'm, yeah, I'm sure that's not what he's talking about when he's talking about uh, baking. <laughs> baking <Maybe>. for the family. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is Dave, and he's from Texas. And his name is... I know Dave. that guy. Yeah. Um, he uh, just recently was a... Was it not a co-host, but a guest, a special guest of the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. Um, while listening to Bring Silver Gold... to the trash. Yeah, he likes listening to Silver and Gold. And uh, all the attendant shows, of course. He works in a record. Let's see, works in a record store with basically uh, family and friends I've known for twenty five years. So I have a fun at work. Well, that would be cool. Work there for that long and actually like your job. 
He likes to Fuck cook that. for his friends. So <laughs> one, yeah, really. Um, he likes to eat good barbecue. He likes to eat barbecue and Mexican food. He likes drinking beer. Um, gotten back into reading, action thrillers, and fun stuff. He likes to fish. He likes talk. He likes talking to old guys with walkers. That's true. True. You know, and you know. I tell you what, you know that that might have been an opportunity that he let go. You know, sometimes you have to he, seize he, the day. He put. Po- <laughs> yeah, that's true. He posted well, that story on the group. Did he finally post it? Yeah, yeah. He likes to go shooting with his dad too. Uh, Matsusaga says that he likes masturbating, <laughs> cooking, reminiscing about Horrorhound. He also likes to poop a lot. While masturbating. And while uh, masturbating. So long as everything comes out nice and smooth and requires a little cleanup. Well, that's not bad, you know. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. He also loves music and kisses from heaven. See, now Matsusaga, I think it was <laughs> has, it was more in the spirit of, of, of uh, what we're going for here. I'm not saying anything, yes. but uh, uh, Mike, um, <laughs> let's see. He likes watching me TV, especially emergency, and watching porn. Uh, Wendy likes reading comic books and masturbating to George Eastman uh, with a, a jar of mayonnaise. <laughs> Jesus, Wendy, I can't believe you wrote that on there. Uh, let's see. Nathan says he likes healthy doses. Uh, I don't know what that means. He likes healthy doses with his younger brother and sister. <laughs> and podcasts like Trashy Trio. And uh, Hamicus, and there's these other ones. I don't even know what they are. Lots of letters, like an acronym, GGTMC, something like that. I don't know what that, what's that stand for. Um, let's see. John Tector says he likes observing people. Hmm. That is fun. That's the you know, you can't you can't beat that. Especially, well, uh, you know. Let's see. And how many of those people? Um, have they found now? I don't know. Kelly likes pinball with his girlfriend and ass food. Ass food? Yeah. Likes pinball with his GF and lots of ass food. <laughs> what? Alan likes watching movies and hanging and, uh, f- not, uh, let's see. Scandinavian stereotypes. Uh, Jim likes body surfing and insane biking. Let's see, Dusty. He doesn't know how to have fun. That's pretty, pretty, you know, Dusty. I, he's, he should be on the show one of these days. We can <laughs> yeah, sounds like me. Uh, the Cinemasticus says that he also likes to masturbate, and uh, he can't forget about masturbating. Jim Jim Moore asked uh, if Cinemascus likes to masturbate furiously or chronically. See, now they're getting off into this weird stuff. Eric likes the the Philadelphia Flyers. I know that. And he likes to read comics. And he is addicted to misery. Jesus, some of these people, I don't even know if we should have asked these questions. No, he he said the Philadelphia sports. Okay, I'm reading along now, too. The Philadelphia sports are what what get him addicted to the misery. Well, I'm ad-libbing. Oh, okay. Because this whole segment's going down the tubes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, We're hit four hours. Did we hit four hours? No, not yet. And Jeff says that he likes to manually masturbate caged animals. Uh, but now, uh, 
I eat hot case food and then see how long it takes me to ship my guts out. Now, there's a that, that is what we were going for. So anyway, now go. the questions were. I think we may still stick with the questions, but I think fun. I think fun day will just still what should just remain like a, a, a segment on the group. We'll, it doesn't we'll do need it once, an audio once, version. We'll do it once a year or so. Either that um, or we're gonna we're gonna just pick out choice ones, you know. But we appreciate right, we, the, got, we appreciate everybody participating in fun day. Definitely. Especially um, I, I, masturbators. We got a little bit of feed sack. Um we got one from uh Gerald. Uh, oh. Gerald says, been listening for a couple months. Fun show. Love it. Hey. Um, makes me angry. Movie making 101. So this is a – he's feedbacking the question from last week. Um, movie making 101. Flashing lights, no picture for gunfights and monster flicks. 90,000 rounds and nothing hit. Three people at a control panel for 90 minutes. Bad sound and editing. Those were his lists. Um He's asked if if I've tried not dogs. I've never even heard of those. Not dogs. Um, oh, not that's dogs. Uh, no, like no fake hot dogs, right? Hot dogs, yeah. I'm he said, one, "I lost my vision for two years. One morning, I woke up and there was a two-inch ant by my face. And when I exhaled, the dust went around it. Then I remember thinking I'm blind. And then I woke up from my dream. Mm. <laughs> oh, recent dream. Um, prison <laughs> politics." Um, if you've heard it, it's probably at least half true in regards to prison. I worked for the New York State prisons for five years, which was enough for me. It's 99% boredom, 1% life or death. The tombs is New York City. Uh, you, you wear what you were arrested in, or they'd be washing a 1,000 uniforms a day. You eat chow in a mess hall and get counted nine times a day. If you're decent, they work with you. If you're crooked, they work for you, but mostly they just work around you. Uh, you're most likely to be raped for being an asshole than being pretty, um, and there are pretty, uh, plenty of other arrangements for sex. <laughs> that was from Gerald. Thank you, Gerald. We appreciate Inside the, knowledge. Uh, the feedback. Thanks for the feedback. Right. <laughs> and we got a couple uh, audio ones here. Hey, stop everything. Stop what you're doing. What you, you know, just what are you doing? Stop right there. Oh, you, does he mean the voicemail? Oh, wait, I guess I should keep going. Be honest with me. You're living in November. I know he's like, Sly, what, what's so fucking important about that day? Well, I'll tell you. Expendables 3, the greatest national movie of all time, is being released. In the medium of digital fucking movies. Nice. Yeah, that's right. It's coming out digital first, you know? And this isn't like the normal Expendables movie. No, this is the unfucking rated version, you know? It's fucking more explosions, more blood, more fucking muscles, more fucking yeah. knives, guns, tattoos, everything. Fucking, you know, take what was in there. Double it, triple it. Quadrupling. That's what you're going to fucking get. You know? it's Six good shit, hours long. So, yeah. If you like these fucking this digital fucking shit, you know, the way you can <laughs> fucking wait two weeks, just two weeks, and then you can buy Expendables free on the fucking Blu-ray disc. Or, you, you know, you know, fashion on the fucking DVDs, you know? So, yeah, get to it. Get waiting. Get fucking saving. Fucking pre-order that shit. 
you're gonna love it. I can't wait to, you know, hear Zom talking about, oh, he had to soak in his tub, watch it, it's <laughs> free. It's gonna be great. Ugh. It is gonna Ugh. be great. Ugh. Maybe you can eat spaghetti also. Ew. All right. One more feed sack. Right. I don't even know. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure who this one is, so hopefully it's not spam or something. Here we go. It's loafing Zom. Oh. We were asking last week for, it is spam. for anybody to ask for love questions, and I certainly have plenty of troubles with the ladies. So what should I do? Should I stick with the one that I've met that seems to be quite decent, but will not really give me much of a leash? Or should I run away and continue to act out my issues with uh, raising hussies through the night and then leave me sleep deprived for work? Well, and whatever you say, that's what I shall do. And I shall live my life to your comments. <laughs> All right. See you later. His destiny isn't. So what he's wondering what he should do with his uh lady situation should he so he's he's met he's met a, a young lass who huh? seems to have her head on straight for a change for him um but it's still apparently given him uh not much of a like she's i don't know i don't know if he said not much of a leash but he seems to like her or should he continue and have fun and fuck around and uh um, so I guess he's asking if he should settle down with somebody that seems to have her head on straight or, st- or keep going for the crazies like he has been. Okay. Here's the deal. Let me tell there you something. Are... <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> Get all you can, as much as you can, for as long as you can. That's your advice. Fucking A, because I'm telling you what, pony boy, nothing gold ever stays. <laughs> And you're going to be left with your dick in your hand if you don't have contingency plan. If you do, <laughs> then you're the man. Jump Sam. Dusty road. Dig it. Fed a bit. All right. I'm not in a situation to answer this question. All right. So, <laughs> um, and that's it for Feed Sack. Thank you, hey, everybody, for that. Do as much as you can, as much as you can get away with. The pie thing, all that shit. Just do yeah, it. do it. Because I'm telling you what, you can get away with a lot more than you think you can. And when they fucking leave, you'll have fucking hilariously funny stories to tell about shit that you got them to do that you can tell everybody and humiliate the fuck out of them. You will have your spank bank filled with ridiculousness. And you can think about, yeah. You have All lots right. to draw from when you do <laughs> want to beat your meat. Like, you know, you have that Rolodex in your head and you think, okay, there was that girl in seventh grade. Yeah, okay, I'm going to think about her tonight when I'm beating my meat. Pound them. You can always send us feed sack to 206 The square hammers that have the, the pointy things on Like you tenderize yes. the meat, beat the meat. What? Uh, eight, I lost it. 339-1600. at gmail.com. Find our show on iTunes, on Stitcher, or on our website at silvaandgold.com. And join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash silvaandgold. Or join Rasslin and Gold, too, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, next week on the show, uh, Matt Suzaka picked a couple for us, an uh, anti-hero double feature. Um, we are going to do a noir, first one in quite a while. Uh, the Robert Aldrich-directed Kiss Me Deadly from 1955. 
Um, and we're going to do Vanishing Point, 1971. So maybe we'll have another six-hour show next week talking about... Well, I can't spoil the end, though. Um, so, yep, that's it for next week. Um, fuck, I, I got to go to bed. <laughs> I could go all night. I don't have to you work. could. Just you leave the thing work. running, and I'll just keep talking. Okay, okay. Well, until next week, Zone's going to keep going, and this is... <laughs> no. Um, thank you, everybody, once again, for the feed sack and the questions. Thanks and, for all the bonuses um, and the yeah. money. And, oh, Huge definitely help. the money. You guys Huge help. help. Um, all right. <laughs> Until next week, this is Hello Foot. <laughs>